Hello and welcome to episode number 42, my favorite number of course, of the third power. This is Anthony Avatolo along here with my co-host Usman Jamil. Hey, how you doing? All right. <laughs> you can tell he's pumped about our today's episode. Uh, today's episode, we're going to do a year in review, 2013. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, things that have happened in the cube world this year, in addition to uh, some of our uh, favorite or, or best cards that have come out, and, uh, you know, just uh, to reflect, you know, reflect uh, lovingly on the past year or so. I like it. I like it. So, uh, as always... Uh, we're going to start each, you know, we start as start this episode as we do every episode with our Crack-A-Pack. Um, and for this Crack-A-Pack, we're actually going to use the current Moto Cube, uh, that everyone's having a good time drafting right now. So. Yeah, well, uh, let's do this. All right. Uh, you want to type it? <laughs> Did you, were you yeah. giggling at me? Well, because you, well, you know they're they're all new to me, so oh. uh, Usman's gonna you'll call them off, and because uh, you know I can't see the the, the pack that you uh, you do, you have. So. Oh, my bad. Uh, first card. You get some nice reactions from me. Oh, that? there we go. Oh, uh, so the, and this cube powered this time, right? Yeah, it's a uh, five forty. Five forty powered. Yeah. I think it's five forty. Yeah, yeah, sounds right. Okay. Uh, so the first card is Tamio the Moon Sage. Alright. Next card, Blade Splicer. Alright. Next card, Aeon Chronicler. A Chronic. Yup. <laughs> I don't know. If, I'm trying to think if Aeon Chronicler is still in my cube or not. I always like that guy, but Blue's gotten some uh, some nice ones recently yeah, at, the, at the end. And so. it's just slow. Uh, Yogwill. Yogmoth Will. Alright. Counterspell. Lots of uh, lots of blue cards here so far. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Day of Judgment. All right, Day of Judgment. Uh, Ulamog, the Infinite Gyre or Gyre, however it's pronounced. All right. Pristine Talisman. Slightly different power level than Ulamog, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Face Fetters. Face fetters, all right. Uh, Greater Gargadon. All right. Uh, what the, what is this card? Daxos of Melitus. Yes, that is a Theros card. Yeah. That's the blue white one. Yeah, with the uh, some some kind of evasion, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm not a big fan of that card, but. We'll get into that during the crack pack. Uh, Gilded Lotus. All right. Some spinach. Right, yeah, the can of spinach. Uh, Intuition. All right. Lanoir Elves. And? Rashad and Port. Ooh. All right. So let me ask you this question. How many, uh, in this iteration of the cube, how many... Uh, Ways to cheat giant creatures are there? Uh, let's see. I know there's Eureka sh um, Show and Tell. Eure Eureka Show and Tell. Hypergenesis. Channel. Channel. Yeah, Channel Sneak Attack. 
Uh, let me see if I'm gonna check the list. Um, come on. I guess you could like pitch it and then like uh, makeshift mannequin it. I think it still runs makeshift mannequin. Well, you can't pitch it because I guess yeah, you can makeshift mannequin so you can wait for the trigger. Oh, never mind. Is it a replace? It's a replacement, right? Yeah. Oh, never mind. It, it, they don't have makeshift. Or they don't it? have makeshift mannequin in anymore. Oh, okay. uh, they do have, uh, or do they? Nope. Okay. They do have, I guess, necromancy, so you can do it for a turn, I guess. I guess. All right, but but the uh, they but they do have Eureka, uh, Joe and Hill, sneak attack, sneak attack, uh, channel, channel. Right. So, like with that in mind, for the Moto Cube, I feel like Ulamog is probably the pick here. It feels like usually uh, those like decks where you want to cheat something into play or do something big and dumb is probably the best play. Like, you, like there's no aggressive cards in this pack at all. I, I, well, I disagree with that. I think Rashad and Port is a very good aggressive card. Yeah, I still think I would probably play it in, like, most decks in general in Moto Cube, just, to, like, because most people are just being dirtily. And just, like, yeah, like, Port is just a very good card. Yeah, but. Port is pretty insane. Yeah, this But, yeah, I think for me, um, you know, with all those methods of cheating things into play, um, I think I'm, uh, I think I'm Ulamogging here. Yeah. Yeah, I think I might go for that as well. I was thinking maybe port. Yeah, it's a very it's a yeah. nice card for just punishing uh people uh being dirtily and and whatnot. Sure. No, absolutely. Port would be uh if we didn't have channel and show and tell and all these other things, um I, I certainly would I, I think port would be my pick here and just, you know, not worry about colors necessarily because none of the none of the colored cards really attract me that much. Yeah, and a lot of these cards like a just... lot of the colorless cards more than the colored cards in this pack. And there's some cards that are just terrible, like Daxos of Melitus. That card sucks. Yeah, Daxos is not a not a very good card. It just seems like like the evasion is kind of like kind of there. Like it's kind of evasion. Like I guess if Yeah, like per... It, it, but it's, you know, I, I don't know how much they're pushing, like, the blue-white aggressive archetype here, though, but there are, uh, I, I'm, I'm wagering there are cards that are better uh, in the archetype uh, for for a uh, blue-white aggressive that are not in here. Yeah. I'm sure he's just in here because he's new. I think it's more just and, because you know, it's new. They have a tendency to put shiny new things uh, in the cube, so. Yeah. Like, wee New thing. Oh, boy. Like, uh, there were some, definitely some bad cards before, like, uh, there were some kind of, like, OMG shiny cards, like, what's that card? Uh, man, what was that card? Esperia? Sphinx of whatever? Oh, uh, okay. The, the, the 6-4, and, like, if they attack you or Planeswalker, you draw a card or something. Gotcha. Yeah, like cards like that that were new and just bad that they had in there. Yeah, I yeah, I guess I don't know. I might just want to take port, but probably Ulamog's a pick if you know the the plan is to go big and and dirtily, mm -hmm. which just usually seems like the best method to do in Moto Cube. So yep, for me it's Ulamog. Yep, my yeah, that that probably is the pick. And then like uh, probably my plan would be to try to get Gilded Lotus on the loop. 
Yeah, I don't know if it if it would. I don't know. That would be. I, I think a lot of people disrespect that card. The can of spinach. The uh, right, the spinach for your mana base. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know if people online have caught on or not. But at least I know in uh, IRL drafts, uh, Gilded Lotus is is often a card that you can get fairly late. So. I do love that makes any color of mana. That's just insane, usually. And it's like... Right, right, right. If, especially if you have, like, counter magic up or something. It's like, go from right. go from five to three, and then after that, go to however much mana. Like, nine. nine. It's just insane. Right. It's like, I'll, nine if you hit your line drop. I'll cast everything. <laughs> right, and that's assuming you don't have any other, you know, any other things going on, like any other mana rocks or Talarian Academy or who knows what else. Yeah. You could wind up with, but yeah, I, I just like Gilded Lotus a lot. Um, I, I think the fact that it generates three colored mana is a uh, is an aspect that's undervalued or perhaps overlooked by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I love the card. Especially, I think if you have things, to, I don't know if I would. It usually de- it sometimes may depend on the deck, but if you have things to do at three, then I think its value definitely goes up. Like if you can hold up Counter Magic or like play. Say, Gilded Lotus and then a Blade Splicer or something, or a Baby Jace or something, sure. where you can just get immediate value out of it. That's pretty. It's pretty nice. Right, or just to, you know, have any instant mm-hmm. really. I mean, yeah. Sometimes you won't be able to get, you know, you won't be able to play multicolored spells or whatever with those three mana. But the fact that you can play colored spells is is pretty good without any other, uh, without any other uh, help. You can just, you know, here you go, here it is. And you'll probably cast that multicolor spell next turn anyway. So, cool. All right, well, let's, uh, uh, do anything else you wanted to say about the, uh, about the Moto Cube? Uh, I don't know, we, before, I guess uh, we, before we move on here. I guess, I don't know, like, I did an article about it, and, like, compared to the last iteration, it seemed like a lot of the changes were pretty phoned in. Like, I probably should post a list, um, you know, just a quick list in the chat or something, but it seemed like, a lot of the changes were just kind of very generic and just like seemed they definitely seemed kind of phoned in. Like a lot of it was just like a Chroma Angel of Wrath for Angel of Serenity, uh, Chroma's Vengeance for Elspeth Sun's Champion, Eternal Dragon for Linvala. And I don't know why they have Linvala, and that card's just mm-hmm. awful. Um, Ether Sworn Canonist for Soldier of the Pantheon, Glorious Anthem for Spear, uh, Alice for Unexpectedly Absent, or like Careful Consideration for Jace. Or, like, Manowar for True Name Nemesis, or, like, Delver, which... Right. They just seem, like, very uh, unsophisticated uh, changes. Like, oh, well, this card costs this much, so I'm just going to replace it with this card. Or this cost, this card does this, I'm going to replace it with this card that does this. Instead of maybe spending a little bit more time and trying to develop uh, archetypes or trying to... Uh, say, oh, well, you know what? Maybe Blue should have True Name Nemesis and Mana War. Yeah. And let's cut something else. Instead of just being like, oh, well, easy swap, easy swap, easy swap, easy swap, you know, that kind of thing. They did at least. So while some of them can certainly, well, some of them I, I certainly agree that could just be very good uh, changes. Like I think, uh, while I do like, you know, some aspects like the Firebrand, I, I can certainly understand uh, updating it with uh, the most recent Chandra. Yeah, and it seems like like doing that swap. That I think that even though that's uh, quote unquote easy one, I think that's a defendable one. 
But some of the other ones, it just when it's a whole list of them that do that same thing, it seems uh, it, it certainly smacks of uh, of not spending a whole lot of time. And a lot it. of the section sizes change, stay the same. Like the artifacts were the same, and like lands were the same. Um, yeah, like some for the example, there was like the total land changes. Took out Sheldak Isle for Academy Ruins. Or, like, Artifacts took out Ratchet Bomb for Pentad Prism. And, like, those were it. And it's like, what? Like, some of the they did at least get rid of some of the cards that were just plain trash. Like, Headhunter, finally, they took that out. And that card's just a joke. How about Right of Ruin? Is that card still in there? I think that they took that out when it went to 540, when it went to power. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, there were some real stinkers there. Like, uh, yeah, Headhunter's a big one. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other, but that was one of the more egregious offenders. Uh, yeah, and it was like other changes, like, let's take out, uh, Lightning Mauler for Fire Drinker Seder. It's like, okay, great. A Thunder Mage, ba- Thunder Skeet Battle Mage was kind of just bleh. Usually it was just kind of too low impact. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was just kind of bleh, so, I don't know. It just seemed, like I said, just kind of seemed phoned in. Sure. And, you know, but you know, it, it is far from uh, for me to state that having a moto cube is a bad thing. It is certainly not a bad thing. This is certainly something I'm glad people are doing and enjoying and cubing and kind of and, you know pushing what it is that we love and what we talk about. Uh, however, it uh, sure would be nice to uh, to really kind of you know tighten it up, you know and turn it into something that could be really special instead of it just being, well, it's, you know, it's atypical on, on, you know, and it's a fun format. So of course people are going to play it, but, you know, instead of maybe taking some, some, uh, a little more of a fine tooth comb to it and really trying to turn it into something special instead of it just being, you know, the normal amount of awesome that cube is, you know, maybe, you know, ratchet it up a bit. And it feels like so maybe they have... That's they, something they, that I'd like to see happen. It feels like it's in, they're in a position where they can afford to do something like that because they have kind of a monopoly on it. Uh, whereas, like, you know, someone like me doesn't necessarily have that same kind of luxury where it's just like, well, uh, people are wanting to cube in their, like, pajamas at 3 in the morning or whatever, but wouldn't sure. necessarily want to go to somebody, you know, someone... some random person's cube or whatever. You know what right. I mean? So, I don't know. It's, it's In that aspect, it's a little uh, frustrating uh, to see that kind of thing happen. It's just like, where are the changes? How about, you know, this, these very kind of things that somebody would do if they, like, ran out of time or something. It's like, quick, what do we right. want to cut in artifacts? Well, no good artifacts in this block. So let's uh, cut these. And there were cards that they ended up taking out, uh, like, like original Massacre, Lightning Greaves, Razor Main Massacre that they took out. They took out Dust Bowl, and then they those are cards that eventually got rotated out over the course of the year. Um, but then they just ended up bringing those back anyway. In that you know recent iteration, I was like, what? That doesn't even make sense. It just I don't know. It was, it's just kind of a little frustrating to say. Maybe not frustrating, but it's just kind of a you know eyebrow raise or whatever. But yeah, I'm definitely glad to see it online. Like. It's nice to be able to watch, like, cube streams and stuff like that and, you know, raise awareness sure. of the format and things like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, cool. Well, let's uh, let's talk about some stuff from this, the, 
from this year. Let's go, go into to more uh, supremely positive territory. Um, we uh, we reached out to the community this week and kind of uh, asked about topics that you know people would like to hear about as far as reviewing the year. And we had some ideas of our own, and it was nice to, to hear some of them echoed as well as get some new ideas. And uh, one of them that uh, that a few people mentioned uh, were you know they wanted to to hear about cards that you know performed better than expected or performed well. So uh, I figured that the two of us could do uh, a top five list. Uh, I suggested that we each, you know, go through our top five cards of the year, um, and we'll just leave it at that top five card. So they could be uh, maybe it's our favorite, maybe it's what we think is the most powerful, um, and then you know we can uh, count them down five to one, and then uh, maybe talk about some uh, talk about some honorable mentions and some things like that. How's that sound? I like it. I'm I'm a fan. Cool. Well, I know you have a list there. Who, who wants to start? You want to start, or do you want me to start? Uh, do you want to like? I was going to say flip a coin or something. That'd be a little difficult. Yeah, hold on. Somewhere between Georgia and St. Louis, let me flip this imaginary coin. Uh, Memphis. <laughs> Let's go to Memphis. So, oh, yeah, right, right, right. We'd have to do it at that. What was that barbecue place that we went oh, to? Oh, uh, in that alley. Like rendezvous? Is that what it was called? Rendezvous? Yeah, yeah I like Memphis. I, you know, Memphis is a fun place. You got to experience the greatness that is barbecue nachos. Oh yeah, oh, they were, they were something. Let me tell yeah. you. We also got to uh, be offered uh, the sale of narcotics by random people at uh, <laughs> <laughs> at uh, other at uh, convenience stores. Oh yeah, so <laughs> that was, that's that was uh, that's always fun. Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't Why don't you start? Okay. So. Yeah, I'm not and sure how to rank. Number five. Like, I just kind of like maybe favorites or the cards I like. Um, yeah, I kind of ranked mine loosely on what I am maybe either think were important or think were have the most impact or my favorite. I actually put one that's kind of a combination of a lot of those things as my number one. Nice. Um, I, I'm sure we'll have some crossover here. So, uh, so why don't you say what your number five is and then maybe, you know, say a few words about it. And we can chit chat for a second and then I'll give my number well, five. Number five. I like that. So, so my number five. Was uh, Ophiomancer. Okay. I just I just kind of like the card. Like I'm I'm kind of well. Tell tell, where, tell what it's from. Tell what it's from. from the uh, Commander 2013. Like how are they how are they numbering these? Like so Commander. Wait a minute. So so the set is called Commander 2013, but they're making the base set M14. That's correct. That's a well because the base set operates like automobiles. That you're always a model season ahead. Why don't they just do that for Commander? Like, it just seems a little inconsistent, you know what I mean? Oh, wait, oh. wait, 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 wait. You're saying that something in Magic is inconsistent? <laughs> I know. What's, what's... <laughs> My God. How did, how did this happen? I've never heard of anything like this before. How did this, how did this happen? <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, from Commander 2013. I'm, yeah, I've, uh, like... It, I don't know if it's been more of a thing this year or maybe before then, or like, you know, the whole Pox thing, like with Symmetrical Sacrifice. And this is actually a deck that I've kind of shied away from. Like, it felt like with all the cards, um, like one of the things I've tried to do this year is kind of look at what all the cards in my cube are doing. And because of that, I've kind of like um, not only like tracked what decks are main decking cards versus sideboard, but how often those decks are winning. And I found like, 
kind of like did a cumulative percentage and then found that those pox things like the cards that were like playable just in pox and then not playable or were kind of meh otherwise. Um, those cards ended up just getting out of my cube for that reason. They just weren't really doing much unless somebody drafted that deck. And like the, the very ne- the very narrow kind of supporting cards like Nether Shadow were in that boat. Where just like these cards just are doing stone nothing. So I'm just gonna take them out and make black better. Um, but yeah, Ophiomancer was just one of those cards that I think I was like hopeful that it would help that deck, and it really didn't. But the card is still really good. Oh, I imagine it would help that. I imagine it would still help that. Yeah, deck. it's just the deck itself wasn't really that good. wasn't really worth it to me. I just didn't feel like the contribution was really. And I called it like contribution percent or like um, production percent because I'm just boring or whatever. But you know, gave it some horribly t- um, dry title like that, and I was just like, you know, this percentage just isn't really that good for these kinds of cards. So, um, but but Ophiomancer just on its own, just even in like most black like mid rangey kind of decks, that card is just such a stonewall. It's like, well, well, and, and talking to, you know, both you and, and others, I think it's, it's certainly a card. Uh, I have it in my next, uh, card order that I think I'm going to get a hold of and, and try out and, and see how it works. Nice. So, also, um, I, I, just, I, all I know is that every time I play it, I'm going to get arc trailed. That's all I can say. I don't know if I've actually seen that happen yet. I don't, I don't know if I've seen like the arc trail or like the, uh, the arc lightning, you know, like or, the earthquake or kind of thing. Usually it's just like, deal with this, and then the other player's just like, ah, what do I do now? This sucks. Right, like what a pain this card it's is. It's like, I can't attack through this stupid thing. Uh, I was going to say something and I totally forgot. Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, something I just randomly realized about that card about uh, about maybe a week ago. You know how, like, in multiplayer games, their cards are called, like, rattlesnake kind of cards? Okay. You know, it's like a rattlesnake card would be a card that prevents, like, people from doing stuff to you. Like, uh, No Mercy uh, or, like, Dread would be a, a rattlesnake Sure, card. sure, sure. You rattle, the, you you warn them of danger. Right. It's, hey, if you do something to me, something bad's going to happen to yeah, you. Yeah, like, you have, a, you have a Dread out or No Mercy. They're like, well, I'm not attacking this guy. And that's, you know, then it'd be a rattlesnake. I didn't realize it, but Ophiomancer is a rattlesnake card that... That is a rattlesnake. Yeah, that creates rattlesnakes. And then I was like... What? Oh my! Wow! <laughs> Isn't it great to figure out to try to find out if that actually was planned or not? I, I don't know. Like, I don't. I'm pretty sure it was, but I don't know how I would check. Maybe there's like design articles about it. Like maybe Morrow wrote about it. Actually, I could probably sign up for Tumblr just to ask Morrow that on his blog. <laughs> there you go. That's that's what I'll do. Nice. But yeah, that's my. Uh, that's my number five. All right. Uh, my number five is also a new card. I guess these are all new cards, but really uh, very recent. And that's uh, Perforos, God of the Forge. Okay. Perforos. Perfor, perfor, perforos. Just the amount of... The amount of value gathered from this guy, Perforos... Uh, it's just out of control, and that's not even mentioning uh, being able to, you know, actually have token cards that that play with him. You know, like uh, as we talked about with uh, with Justin when he was on, um, you know, just you know, this card into 
uh, I don't know, a uh, a siege gang commander take eight. Yeah. Plus, I have all these guys. Um, and, and it's just a neat card uh, in general. And you know, I, I think it, you know, with the uh, how red seems to be getting, uh, you know, the the mono red strategy too. I mean, this guy, this guy's devotion could become hot fairly quickly as well. Um, between that and a re- realistic ability, uh, activatable ability that matters, and a triggered ability that's honestly, I, I think, quite very good. Uh, you just, you know, it's going to be a hard to remove permanent that this basically says, hey, anytime you do something after this, creature wise, your opponent's taking damage. I remember one time uh, just like killing somebody at four and just like having the same deck with uh, lingering souls. Right. <laughs> and I was just like, Alright, so you're at four. Alright, lingering souls. No, 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 they right. were at, uh, they were at six. So I was like, lingering souls, you're at two. Right. Right. And then I think, oh no, no, he was at eight. So I put in lingering souls, put him to four, attack with two dudes, make him fire breathe, so he died. Right. Right. And I was like, huh, yep. Now you're dead. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's quite a few things you can do with this card. Um, you know, like I said, from from just like the you know, and Siege Gang Commander is you know maybe one of the better scenarios in as far as just in the Red family. But if you start branching into White and you just start thinking about things, if you push the token support, things like uh, what's the X spell that you get if you make five or more at Wrath? Oh, uh, Marshall Coup. Yeah. Yeah, Marshall Coup or uh, Sacred Mesa. Or, um, I mean, Ophiomancer. <laughs> yeah. Every time you get your dude back, take two. You will never attack take me two. ever. <laughs> or you cannot attack me ever again. Take two. Or, you know, to, you know, so in the, you know, Marshall Coup would be at the high end of that spectrum or, uh, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Just, there's a lot there to be had. And the abilities work well with the, each other, too, because, you know, not only are those creatures dealing damage on the way in, but they're also, you know, probably dealing increased damage after you attack as well. So Yeah. Um, I also kind of like the fact that, you know, there's, there's a small part of me that's kind of nice that it allows you to do some uh, planeswalker control against the more mid-rangey and control decks as well, because, you know, yeah, they might just have wraths or whatever, but the fact that you can, you know, play your play your dudes and have it direct, go directly to their planeswalker is kind of nice as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that maybe you can, that's a, you know, that's a very small corner case, but uh, I, I don't know. I just like this guy. I like, I, I like what it has to offer. Um, I don't think we've seen uh, what it can do in constructed formats yet. Um, I think we're going to need a slightly bigger card pool here to, uh, to, to really see something happen. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm surprised. Is it like, was there a red devotion deck with it, or am I thinking like the red green uh, devotion deck, or was it, or the the red devotion decks were like Mogus or whatever? The red devotion decks are playing Hammer, or playing some copies of Hammer. Okay. But I don't know if they're really playing Perforos, but uh, there are like uh, there are some red devotion decks out there splashing white or. White, you know, mostly mono white decks, flashing red, but obviously that's not for Porphyros. But there's there's some flavors of those different uh, of those different types out there. I just don't think we have uh, a reliable enough way to really trigger his ability a bunch because we really don't have any token makers in standard right now 
So uh, I, I think we'll see that change moving forward because Perforos is going to be around for obviously for a couple of years here. So I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, will happen with him. Yeah, so. that's true. That's my five. I like it. I like it. Should I do my number four? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so my number four, it's uh, so I, I kind of had a slot that I was kind of considering here for the number four. Um, I was considering between. I should probably just say what the card is. So it's a uh, Polychronos. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Like, I think it might just. It may have been the journey that it went through, like in terms of the. Um, spoilage that it had and, like, people's disappointment in the card, like, because it ended up as, like, one of the worst iterations. Like, people thought it was, like, X double green for the monstrous and all that. Like, there was, like, so many high expectations. And then when it eventually settled on the X green, you know, XX green, people were like, oh, my God, this card costs too much mana. This card sucks. Uh, this card's awful. And uh, as it turns out, the card is still really, really good. It kind of reminded me of the whole thing with Giant Solifuge and how people thought it was a 4-3, but it was a four, actually a 4-1. Right. And they were like, man, Giant Solifuge sucks. Like, it dies everything. It's like, well, it's you didn't realize that if it was a 4-3, the card would just be absurd. Because uh-huh. the idea is that, you know, it can be dealt with relatively easily with creatures, but... You're right. banking on the fact that, you know, the Shroud and whatever makes sure that, you know, it's like if they don't have creatures and they're relying on spot removal, they're just dead. Right, because there was, you know, often against the control decks, you know, on their turn four, they wrath, and then on your turn four, you attack them for four. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well, that sucks. Yeah, it's like, deal with this now so or I you're dead. can't use my spot removal on yeah, it. Yeah, and it's like, you deal with this now or you're dead. <laughs> and it kind of felt like that same kind of disappointment cycle kind of happened with Polarkernos, so it was like, oh, this card sucks. It turns out the card is still really, really good. Like, it's... I don't know where I rank it in terms of my, um, you know, the four-mana green creatures. Maybe, like, Master might be better or something, but... I don't know. I'm a big fan. It, it's a nice 5-5 five, five for four, and it also kind of represents, like... We've seen a lot of good six drops with the Titans in Worm Coil. We're seeing better one drops and two drops because of things like... Um, even thing like Gorehouse Chainwalker, like five years ago, would have been unthinkable. Right. And like seeing that, I remember when that came out, um, it got spoiled. I pre-ordered a foil not long after it, but I remember thinking like, this card is absurd. Like a two mana three power guy. I was like, geez, right. that's insane. I remember like when right in an aggressive color. But I remember like I think when Evan Irwin posted his uh, cube update, I'm like, are you putting in Gorehouse Chainwalker? He's like, what's that? I'm like. Gullum Piker with Unleash. He's like, wow, I didn't even realize that card was in the set. I'm like, yeah, that card's really good. So, yeah, that card's but, so, but I, I don't know if it's because of what the card represents. Um, but, yeah, I feel like the card is just really good. Like, it, it does what green decks want. It's a, dec- a good body, um, a way to use mana in the late game or removal. Like, sometimes, like, Garrick or Master Wild Hunt can be a little slow. Even though they are very good, like, sometimes it can be slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, I think this just does the job very well. So I'm pretty happy to put Polychronos, or, uh, yeah, Polychronos as my number four. Yeah, and I, and I think it functions very well in both mid-range and aggressive decks. So. Yeah. Because it clears stuff out of the way, which is really nice, especially if they're relying on, like, 1-1s. Right. 
It's like, well, your Elspeth's not going to do a whole lot here. Right, or even singleton blockers. I mean, if you're able to, you know, if you're like, hi, turn four, my big guy, and they're like, well, turn four, my big guy, and then you're like, okay, well, uh, how about I fight your big guy and kill it because mine's now a 7-7. Seven, seven. Yeah. Because, you know, I played my land and, and, you know, five mana, you can get your guy. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, we move on. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm, uh, definitely a fan. So, Polucranos, which I actually got a pack foil one recently, so I was happy about that. Nice. I think I like the original, the, the dual deck art better, but I mean, that's still really sweet. So, yeah, I guess it, it deals the two. So, yeah, I guess what, you could two damage it, they, Fight it back, and then if you attack, it's probably just going to kill it. I'm trying to think of how I just laid out a scenario that, that didn't quite work in my mind. So you could deal two, you could grow it to a 7-7, seven, seven, deal two damage to it, attack. It's a 4-4. Four, four. I guess it just dies anyway. I guess it just gets the little ones out of the way. But still, I, I also like it as a fact, you know, it's just, just like a late game drop, too, that you can just have some fun with as well. Yeah. So... Cool. Well, uh, my number four uh, is a card that has uh, supplanted many of uh, many other cards and have have gone by the wayside because of this one because it is pretty much the uh, consummate version. Uh, I, I can't imagine a, a another card that's going to suit. This particular function better. I'm going and to. Can I guess it first? Sure. Do I need to say any more about it, or you just want to uh, try to guess? Aetherling. Aetherling number four. Hey. Uh, you know, as far as blue finishers go, I mean, it plays offense. It plays defense. Uh, it provides a fast clock when you're ready to kill with it. Um, as you know, when you have mana available, it's just eight. You know, it's it's Im- virtually impossible to kill, um, and eight a turn uh, ends the game quickly. Yeah, I, I so. just love that it shifts, like it shifts so well for the roles from like defense, and even a four or five on the defense is pretty good. Right. right. And just being able to go, oh okay, you need to turn the corner now. Like I was playing a uh, like recent draft where my opponent was like blue black control, and he was starting to get control back with uh, Karn. And I was like, okay, time to shift with uh, Etherling. Like, I resolved Etherling after that, and he, like, carned me, like, carned a card from my hand. He couldn't kill Etherling, obviously, because I had blue mana open. And I was like, okay, time to go on the offense. And I just killed the opponent instead of Karn. I was just like, okay, I ate you. Eight. Okay, you're dead. Cool. Nice, nice right. knowing you. Yeah, and it, it, it does work quickly, too. So. Just, just you know, exactly, turning that corner, knowing when to just start attacking. It plays very good defense. Um, yeah, are there times when if they just have, like, multiple removal spells um, where maybe you'll wish you had more fling? Yeah, I guess so. But the fact that it's just literally impossible to actually kill uh, means a bunch. And the fact that you can also duck it out of the way of your, uh, of your own removal. Yeah, you know? especially, like, mass removal, like, a rats or something is is yep. really good. It's like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna balance. Right, exactly right. It's like oh darn it, I don't have any creatures. Well, how how did I 
I had one creature at the beginning of the turn. Now I have zero. Wait, what, what happened? Now I don't have any. Oh, my God, I have another creature again. Oh, my God, it's enormous. <laughs> so yeah, I, I was – I remember – I think on the podcast when I talked about it, I remember being pretty happy about it. Like, yeah, that card is really, really, really nice. So Aetherline, my number four. Nice. I like it. So should I, should I do my number three? Please. So my number three. That's the, that's the way things seem to be going. Here. Okay. Well, I mean, we could switch it up. We could do like you <clears throat> three, uh, whatever. Okay. So we're, <laughs> we're doing number three. So my number three is uh, unexpectedly absent. Oh, okay. And uh, it's just one of those cards that is. I really like these kind of white being a very versatile color. It being able to play a lot of roles really well, and. It hasn't really caught on in Legacy, and I'm a little surprised, but I'm not, I don't, I, I mainly, like, follow Legacy. I don't really play a lot of Legacy, sure. um, but I'm surprised it hasn't seen a lot of play in, like, the Stoneblade decks, although it seems like a lot of the decks are just, like, true name decks now. It's either decks that... Right, and it, and it, and it would be, I, I think it would, it, the, the first home to me, uh, having not played in a while, would be the Death and Taxes deck, since that's the, the mono-white deck. Yeah, know? it seems like, from what I understand, Legacy is, like, I think they talked about on the the last Invitational, they were like, Legacy is pretty much decks that can either utilize True Name Nemesis or ignore it. And I'm right. not sure where Unexpectedly Absent fits in there. I guess in, like, the Stoneblade decks or something? Maybe? I don't know. But anyway, this card, is, I just really like it. Um, you know, it just so, so good It just, like, a lot of things, even if it's just, like, pseudo-removal... Or just, like, an instant speed trick to just, like, get, you know, if somebody is attacking with, like, any form of pants, it's like, okay, this is going out. Or just, like, response to a shuffle. Like, it does so much. It's not, like, the most efficient toolbox, you know, tool in the toolbox, but it does what it does very, very well. Kind of like, I don't know, kind of like face fetters or something. It's not the most efficient thing, but it does the job very well. I, I generally like those cards, especially since white tends to play a lot of roles very well, like aggressiveness, sure. control, um, those kinds of um, roles. So I'm, I, I'm a big fan of the card. Design-wise, I also think it's really sweet, too. So when it got spoiled, I forget what it was. I thought it was maybe just Creature or something or something, and I saw it was permanent. I was like, what? Permanent? Yeah. So, yeah, I was a, so, yeah, I'm a big fan. That's a nice one. Sweet. So that's, uh, that's my number three. What's... Uh, what is what is your number three? All right, so my number three is kind of a, a just uh, this is a card that I like a lot, uh, and it's a card that I, I I've liked a lot and constructed, um, and then I've decided that uh, and it's something we'll, I'll hopefully talk about a little bit later too. But I feel like is a uh, a keystone in opening up uh, another archetype in cube, and that is uh, from Theros is Master of Waves. Ah. Yep, and three. I was actually going to guess that too, but yeah. Uh, Master of Waves, um, getting to play with that guy in Constructed, man, like, you know, it's like every time I, I scry and I see it on top, I'm just like, yeah, I don't want that card on the bottom. <laughs> I want to draw that card. I just always want this card. Uh, and with the addition of, of a lot of other tools that we've seen um, from the commander sets, from other things, uh, we're starting to see a, a more aggressive type uh, blue cards, things like in the past couple of years, things like uh, Geist of St. Traft. Um, 
but I, I, I've recently started to kind of put, try to push some of the, a little bit of the blue tempo thing a little bit. Um, I've recently made the, the change to help support this card from uh, Wall of Denial, which is while while a very good card at doing what it is is supremely boring. Uh, I, I've made the change from that to Plume Veil uh, in order to help this guy out too, um, and then help to bring breathe some new life into old favorites like Opposition. No, wow. Yeah, that's a so, that's a thing. That's a nice combo. Especially if we're going to be pushing uh, tokens more well, with the addition of, uh, you know, if we're pushing tokens more with the addition of uh, Perforos and uh, some other cards that, uh, like a Curse of Predation or you know other cards that would, that would do very well with uh, having just lots of creatures in play or coming into play, uh, or even cards uh, that we've gotten, you know, one decent token card this year um in, in the core set uh i i like the direction that this is going and i think it's a good gateway into uh allowing blue to possibly take on uh an attacking role more often instead of always being the control color without taking away its defensive capabilities uh there are certainly times where you can just you know uh you know, you have your your wall in play. You have, you know, uh, sometimes it's really hard to attack through a bunch of two ones mm-hmm. if you're an aggressive deck, especially if you're a red deck and you're just like, well, I can't get rid of the master, so you know, what am I gonna do? Yeah, it's like, well, so, I guess I gotta, I guess I just have to attack, <laughs> plow through this thing, <laughs> right? And they're just gonna block um block my red guy with this guy, and so. Uh, so for, for, uh, kind of like for future gains and what I think, uh, Master of Waves will, will do moving forward, uh, it is my number three on the list. Nice. Nice. I like it. So, Master of Waves, number three. So my number two, which coincidentally combines quite well with Master of Waves. Pretty, a card I've seen. Oh, are you typing something? I'm not typing anything. Oh, I thought you were. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, um, probably the breakout hit of the commander box, uh, True Name Nemesis. Which is also my number two. Really? Wow. Also my number two? I'm, yeah, I'm feeling our number ones are probably the same two. All right, well, let's, well, go, well, you go ahead and start. So we'll, we'll just, uh, concurrently talk about, wow. uh, True Name here. So, yeah, I've seen it, like, banned from cubes, and I think it's a very powerful card. I haven't felt the need to ban it. Um, it's, it's definitely a card you can beat. You know, I don't think it's, like, unbeatable, but it's definitely very strong. Um, you know, just the, the objective power level on it is pretty absurd. Like, essentially, moat or unblockable. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, you can't really kill it very easily outside of Master Removal. You definitely can, like, Edicts. I think maybe people over- underestimate how, how you can kill it. Like, maybe they assume it's, like, auto-unkillable. And I guess, like, a bit of the feel-bad of being able to uh, target it. Sure, not being able to interact yeah, with it. Yeah, but I still think it's it's a, it's fine. Like, if people are considering, like, whether to try it or not in their cubes, I'd probably just... And I think it's the same thing I said on the last episode. It's just, like, I'd probably try it first, see how it is. I yeah. found it to be fine. It's the same thing when, like, people were scared of, like, Signets being too good in their cube. I just, like, try it out, look at it objectively, and see what happens in... 
Right. And, and I also think, too, that uh, I think it's certainly a little bit overstated um, as far as uh, what its impact could be. Um, while certainly a very good card, if you're one of these people, you know, who don't, you know, who just play the most powerful cards, there's certainly no reason to, to not include this guy. I think they're definitely um, more egregious offenders. Like, I see stuff like, like yeah. treachery, you know, obviously power, like, you know, time walk, um, ancestral, moxen, things like that. But I think, like, those cards are probably more egregious examples of being a broken card than true name. Of course. You know, it's just that this one is not, it certainly doesn't carry a lot of interaction. That's for sure. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a really awkwardly designed card. Like when I saw it, I'm like, what? Like that. But you know, neither is I. I don't think you know, Mind Twist is necessarily a very interactive card either. It's yeah. just like, oh well, I have a bunch of mana. One of them is black. Discard this many cards. You know. Yep. I remember. I think when it was spoiled, it was like on a French site, and I thought the translation was messed up. And I was like, that doesn't. What? No, that can't be right. That that seems weird. And then it got posted on the um, official uh-huh. spoiler in English, um, kind of like unceremoniously. And I was like, oh. That is real. Yeah. It was called like, I, I think the, uh, the uh, translator name was like Identity Nemesis. and then Right, which is a much better name if you ask me. Yeah. So I, I also happen to think uh, he also gets some points for having one of the best nicknames. Oh, what is it? Which is uh, Brogenitus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I I understand why people wouldn't want to include this card, but it certainly, um, and and part of that might even be from a financial aspect. Um, I mean, this card, the uh, Grixis Commander decks are, you know, uh, you know, might as well be extinct at this point. Yeah. Um, I... For getting them at uh, MSRP. Um, you can find them in game shops, you know, uh, for upwards of $50. Um, but you cannot find these in big box stores. You cannot find these for MSRP right now. Um, uh, Morrow recently, recently made a tweet saying that, yes, it will be reprinted, but he's not telling us what the date is. Wow. Um, it certainly would have been nice to get them before Christmas. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that it wasn't around gifts. that time. But then again, um, I have a feeling like, you know, if, like, somebody's, like, sending somebody, like, a Christmas present, like, you know, like, uh, you know, like, somebody, some 20-year-old college student asking, like, their parents for a commander deck, they probably will be able to get rid of, like, you know, like, the the Walmarts and the Targets will probably be able to sell, like, the Naya decks, you know, those just well, bad. The non-blue ones. Yeah. Basically. Just that when you, whenever I, you know, travel around playing gigs or whatever... If I have to run into Walmart, I always kind of, you know, do a cursory glance over at the gaming section. And literally, it's just stocked with Naya and Jun decks. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all you see. You just don't see the, the Bant decks were uh, the last to go. And every once in a while, I'll see one of those. I've um, seen some. The, I've, yeah, I've, decks are completely gone now for the most part. Just, and the, uh, the Grixis decks certainly are, are nowhere to be seen. So this is a great, another good excuse to just proxy the card up and try it. And so you can, one, you can see if this is a card you want to include, if it is truly as unfun as uh, you, you may have heard it to be. And two, you know, you save yourself a little bit of a financial investment as well. So Yeah. Because this card is obviously the real deal of legacy. Yeah, I remember seeing some of the, uh, what's it, the, 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 the Esper decks, the Commander decks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's like finding Grixis ones are probably impossible right now, which is kind of sad. 
Oh, yeah, and, and they've been impossible since, you know, a week or two since they were released. Yeah. Uh, especially, too, because one thing that that we're finding is that uh, people are uh, approaching employees of said big box stores and saying, hey, when they come in, will you pull them aside? You know, will you buy them? And I'll, I'll buy them from you. So a lot of times uh, I've seen a couple instances, at least around here, where they're not even hitting the shelf. Wow. Wow, that's insane. I haven't heard that. That's, wow. Yep. So there's there's some of that going on as well. Um, I mean, let's face it. If, you know, if you're a, a Walmart or a Target employee, you're probably not making a whole lot of money. Um, so, you know, anything you can do to, you know, generate some goodwill and some extra income. Oh, would people uh, be like, hey, if you uh, set aside this uh, MindSeize deck, I'll give you like 10 bucks or something? Right. Whoa. Well, you buy your employee discount. Wow. Target, I'm not sure. I know Walmart doesn't have that because they're a third-party supplier. Same with Toys R Us. Yeah. But Target, you know, there's uh, – and talking to some people around these parts, um, hey, you buy it with your employee discount or you buy it, and then I'll buy – you know, you buy – or even if you buy them at MSRP, you know, you buy them at 30, and I'll pay you 35 or 40 for each one. Wow. <laughs> or if you're a Magic player, you buy them. And then you sell them online. Yep. You know what I mean? You still come out ahead. Because you could literally take the true name nemesis out of that deck, sell the true name for thirty, no problem, and have a free ninety nine card commander deck. Yeah, it's kinda like what happened scavenging ooze and uh with the counterpunch. So so you know, that was uh uh that's a, a lot of how it's going. And you know, and we were uh, assured that when these things first hit the market that oh yeah, no, they're not going to be scarce like the last ones. No, we're going to have there's going to be plenty available. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Nope. There's not. And you know, part of that reason and I may have mentioned this when we did the podcast earlier this year is because you have to buy them in sets of 5. Oh, wow, so, the retailers yeah. do? Right. Wow. So, so if you, you know, if you get a few of them, um, if you're stuck with, let's say you buy two sets, so you have ten boxes, and you only sell four out of those ten, are you going to buy another set of five? That's true, yeah. Especially, yeah, if you're, or even if you're just like. Even just a, a, an LGS. Yeah. I do wish they would have um, made, I mean, like, the other decks probably. The uh, plane shift decks, too, or the plane chase decks, whatever they were. Uh, a local store uh, that was here kind of got glutted with them, um, and they were trying to uh, – they were selling the non-awesome ones for less than MSRP to try to get them out of stock so they could, you know, buy some more of the other ones that people actually wanted to. Wow. But they didn't want to have to get stuck with more, you know, non-Ninja, non-Cascade decks. So, I do wish they would have put, like – maybe put, like, one of those kind of premier cards – in, like, the Naya or Jun deck? Like, Ophiomancer is great, but, like, in all honesty, it's not seeing play in anything other than Cube. Like, unless you, unless, unless like, you really go super deep and, like, put it in, like, the, uh, the Reduke Pox deck, and even still, I don't think it's really that, would be really that great there. So, yep. So that's, uh, that, that's an issue at hand with the whole thing too. So, uh, yeah. But True Day Nemesis number two, just from a, a playing standpoint, the impact standpoint, and yeah, and it certainly does help this uh, attacking uh, blue uh, archetype. Does possibly even like the devotion leaning towards a devotion type deck? So yeah, 
True Name Nemesis, my number two as well. All right, so number one. All right, what are the odds that they're the same? I'm pretty sure they're – I'm I'm right now, I'm quite sure they're the same. All right, well, I will uh, – I will react accordingly All right. if it is the same. So give it give it some preamble here. Don't just don't just blurt so it out. It, here. It, it could be a split card, um, a red white split card, but it probably wouldn't work in reality because they're both permanents. And from those of us who have drafted the split cube, or you know split cubes, um, that probably won't work having the whole permanence on two sides. But both cards represent a sea change in magic of more efficient two power creatures or you know better ones like dryad militant certainly was a representation of that but then getting cards like you know cards like these definitely were like a a huge upgrade and definitely represent a i guess completion of that so for me okay. my number one was fire drinker Seder and soldier of the pantheon oh not what I have as my number one. Really? That's what I was thinking. Interestingly related. So keep going. Keep going. Well, I, <laughs> I guess that's about, yeah, I guess that was, I don't know if I have much else to add. Just, you know, that they represent a nice sea change and, like, you know, kind of support of aggressive decks. You know, just, like, I never really found the drawback on Jackal Pup to be bad, and I definitely didn't replace it because I'm not, because I'm not lazy. Right. Um, but it definitely is a nice see change in what could be happening in the future. And the cards, like, especially Fire Drinker Seder is just a very powerful card in general. Um, just being able to use mana in the late game and just being a really powerful creature as is. Same thing with Soldier of the Pantheon. Uh, its other ability is essentially a multicolor whatever is about pretty much flavor text. So having a 2-1 with flavor text is pretty sweet. Um, I guess Tormented Hero, I guess in that same kind of boat. Blah blah blah, same thing. So, <clears throat> sure. So that's uh, yeah. We, we've 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 certainly gotten uh, and, and you know we can discuss that perhaps too. Is that we've we've definitely seen a push towards we we've got a lot of two power one drops here in the past year or so. Yeah. You know, uh, we've certainly seen a push towards that, and and for those of us who who make sure to keep the aggressive decks, you know, uh, hot enough to to be able to win games, we know that, uh, and I. Uh, it's just, I, I still get reminded occasionally uh, by you and others that I, I made a comment that at one point that, you know, I, I will never not play a, a, a two-power one-drop that's remotely decent. Yeah. You know, we're not talking Goblin Cadet here. Yeah. That, but, you know. <laughs> um, and, and these are certainly no exception. So so my number one, for a second I thought you nailed it because you said – Oh, you know, I heard you say words, 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 red, white, possibly a split card. Cause I'm like, oh, different modes. Red, white card. My, my number one, and this is a card that I've enjoyed in Constructed. This is a card that I've enjoyed immensely in Cube. Um, and, and have a, uh, you know, have, have gotten some great stories around it that I find myself using, uh, almost all of the text on the card. Uh, my number one. Oh, Boros Charm. At first, I thought you were going to say Assemble the Legion. I was like, huh, interesting. Boros Charm. Yeah, that's uh, a that's a good card. I, there there are times when I cast Boros Charm that I feel like I'm cheating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. That, I mean, that sounds kind of that sounds kind of silly. Uh, but there are literally times I cast this card. I'm like, 
wait, does this card seriously just do four damage for two mana? Yeah. Or wait a second. I just counterspelled a wrath. Yeah. <laughs> or I just counterspelled, you know, a pernicious deed. Or killed somebody. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I attacked with the, you know, I'm in a Naya deck and just attacking with some big dumb idiot. And they're like, all right, no blocks. And you're like, okay, take twice as much damage. Yeah, here's my Pelucanos. Oh. <laughs> this Pelucanos oh. deals twice the damage now. I, I, I guess I'm dead. Yeah. Um, and I also recently had a, uh, uh, I guess recently is, is, uh, subjective, but, uh, a few months back, uh, playing with a good friend of mine who is also a cube owner down here. Uh, and if you listen to the podcast, hi, John Farrow, uh, he usually does. So we had a, and I may be telling the story slightly off, but uh, I was playing a a, a red white aggressive deck uh, with you know all the usual suspects. Uh, Did he have a deck like a wildfire deck or something like that? Yes. Yeah, I think I think I remember yeah. you saying, but I like the story. Um, and so he had a he had basically had a wildfire deck uh, with a ton of planeswalkers. It was like a red white blue wildfire planeswalker deck. Uh, he had basically played lots of Planeswalker Magic, as uh, Justin Parnell is, is wont to do. Um, and I had a uh, double Armageddon, uh, Sulfuric Vortex, bunch of one-drops, efficient burn spell special that I, I, I find myself wind up drafting quite a bit because I have a hard time passing Armageddons. Yeah. Uh, see them, and I have a hard time passing uh, Sulfuric Vortex and things like that. Um, but I, I win game one, uh, and, and, uh, game two, I, I get trounced pretty hard. Game three, we have an epically long game, which involves me Armageddoning, um, not being able to kill him afterwards, then him wildfiring, me not, him not being able to kill me afterwards, um, and this, I guess this is game three, because he kills me in two pretty easily. Game three, uh, then he, uh, I'm trying to think what he did after that. He wildfired. Then there was another board, a pretty big board sweeper as well. Um, and basically, we're just kind of hanging on. We're both at fairly low life totals, but he's starting to accrue some uh, some planeswalkers in play. And so for style points, and like I said, I hope I'm telling this correctly, uh, for style points, he decides to uh, uh, activate... Uh, uh, Chandra's second ability to copy a spell, which uh, I'm at, at the time, I'm at, I think we're both at eight life, or somewhere around there, and uh, he, you know, copies his spell, plays, you know, his uh, Psy Blast, and uh, I uh, Boros charm him. And so his second side blast actually kills us both. <laughs> how did how did game four go? Uh, game four went something like this. Uh, I went one drop pass. He goes land go. I go two drop pass. He goes land go. I go attack sulfuric vortex pass. He plays like mana rock. I go four drop. Armageddon attack. He goes, well, that was fun. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so after a, a very, very fun, drawn-out game three, which, you know, and he certainly could have killed me if he wasn't going for the style points. He definitely had a line of play to where I, I literally don't have a chance to do something like that. But uh, 
But as he tries out, he tries to go for some style points and got punished for it. And then uh, just uh, punish him game three with uh, the uh, the Boros nut, basically. I like it. I like it. So, so for me, Boros, you know, just the four damage is just a lot. It's a huge chunk of their life total, especially if you're in those aggressive colors. It goes directly to Planeswalkers. It can deal uh, very efficiently with a number of, uh, excuse me, with a number of Planeswalkers. Um, that costs more than what Boros Charm costs, which is always nice when your answers are, are less mana, you know, cost less than the, the things they deal with. Um, making your permanence indestructible is just a giant kick, um, you know, especially in, in lieu of things like uh, Armageddon or uh, Wrath Effects or Damage Effects or, you know, just the, the list goes on and on. Um, and, and, you know, and for a while I, I was playing it in Constructed, uh, back when, uh, like the Delver decks and, and things that were just waning off. Um, being able to, I was playing it in a, uh, oh, what's the name of it? Uh, Blind Obedience deck, like kind of a, uh, red, white, blue, like a, aggressive type, uh, Blind Obedience deck. And there were times where it'd just be like, end of turn, Boros charm you for five. Yeah. Just like cast it and drain you for one. You know, oh, cast Snapcaster Mage, drain you for one. Flashback Boros charm, hit you for five again. Like. Yeah. I remember, I think it was a, a cube draft earlier this year where I was like, Boros charm, Snapcaster, Boros charm. And I think a Vortex was out too. So <laughs> probably didn't live very long. So. For me, Boros Charm, number one. I just really enjoy that card. Uh, it, it's a good time, and I, it does a lot of things, and I, I can't imagine it ever coming out uh, coming out of the cube, ever. Hmm. I like it. It does a lot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I do wish, like, sometimes, how often do you find that, how often do you find the double strike mattering or coming into play? Not not very often. Yeah. Um, the problem is, is that for the, the the double strike to matter, you're going to want to either keep a a creature alive in combat, which you could just do via the indestructibility, yeah, right, and then that it, it protects the rest of your permanents for the rest of the turn. Uh, or if you're looking to add more damage, however, you, the damage has to be more than four because you already have that mode. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing. Is that and, and, it's, and it's not. And it's one of those situations where it's not necessarily counterable by a Doomblade. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you're if you like, oh, attack with this idiot, and then you're like, uh, double strike it, they're going to be like, all right, we'll remove it. And then you've got nothing for it. You'd rather just go four straight upstairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not very often. However, I have seen it uh, kill in conjunction with Berserk. <laughs> wow. So. I like that. So there is that. That's pretty spiffy. I like that. That's that's a lot of damage. <laughs> what was the creature? Uh, something stupid, like in a 3-3 a three, three experiment one that swung for 12. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Yeah, it was like, you know, like... Uh, it, you know, it's like a, sort of a pseudo-constructed start. So it's like, you know, turn one, experiment one, turn two, uh, uh, like, 
a 2-2 two, two plus Kurt Ape, which is a 2-3, and then, like, next turn play my third land, uh, you know, like, have Moto on lands, and it's just, like, attack you for, you know, you know, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. th- you know, that definitely was, like, three plus another four, five, six, seven. Yeah, it was, it, at that point, it put them at, like, one or something absurd like that, so... <laughs> I, I, you know, they might have fetched or something like that. It was, it was one of those things where, you know, when it was like Berserk, okay, Boros Charm, okay, next game. <laughs> like they might not have actually been dead, but it was good enough for the concession. So <laughs> I always like when that happens. It's like, well, the spiritual loss. <laughs> so yeah, so for me, Boros Charm. Yeah. I just like that card, and I find myself in my advanced age really liking the the, the red and white cards. Yeah, so. they're pretty. Pretty nice. The Boros Legion. They're they're nice. <laughs> Not a bad to that, but yeah. It's good stuff. Hey, uh, hold on one second here, but I think we should start talking about uh, uh another uh listener suggested a hard body suggested that we talk about the archetypes that got a boost. Uh and of course, you know, we we just talked about aggressive decks getting uh Getting some help with all the, you know, with getting some some more efficient burn, uh, with getting cards like Gore Clan Rampager, uh, which which helps provide a different kind of reach, um, and all the, you know, the two power one drops. But I'd also like to t- talk a little bit about uh, kind of the, the rise of Blue Devotion uh, in Cube as a, as an attacking archetype. Um, but I'm going to uh, mute here for just a second while I uh, address this head cold of mine briefly, but, but feel free to talk about either of those in, <laughs> yeah, so in my absence. It was another one of those things where maybe previous, I don't know if I was using that uh, contribution or production percentage like I was, you know, like this year, um, but I think if I was applying it to, like, last year, maybe a couple of years ago when, like, trying the blue tempo thing was starting to get, you know, when Crania did the article about it on Gathering Magic, I'll probably link to it. Actually, I'll probably um, forget to link in the show notes. Actually, I'm going to write that down. You know, Cranny's a good guy. Shout-outs to um, Mr. Cransuber. Um So he did an article, and, like, I did some ideas from it, but I found that um, it just wasn't pulling its weight enough. Um, so I ended up cutting that. But I think we've seen a lot of cards recently which have kind of given people the incentive to do that. Like, there may be incentive to, like, do something in cube because it's, like, interesting or fun, but at least for me, I if my deck isn't winning, I'm not really getting much excitement out of it. Like, I'm not really happy about it. I'm not, like, excited to brew a deck that goes, like, 1-2 or something. That's just not really. Sure. Sure. There. I mean, there there has to be some, as fun as it is, and there are certainly decks that you can play which are fun to play just for them, you know, for their own sake yeah. of being fun to play. Um <clears throat> there there certainly has to be a little bit of of results uh, oriented thinking as well because you know at, at least for me and this may not be the case for everybody but you know losing all the time not that fun no like especially if you try something like lately like playing like playing like different games like maybe not necessarily magic but like trying something and like having it flat, fall flat on your face and then finding out that probably wasn't a good idea to do. Like I can understand it being interesting in a learning perspective, but in the grand scheme of things a lot of it times it just can't like for example, say you try drafting 
a deck in Moto Cube, like some kind of like, I don't know, some kind of not mono red aggro deck, and you just die. You know, you just go say, oh well, that was that was that. Especially if something's on the line or something, you do that, like, well, that was okay. I just died. <laughs> that was great, but they really didn't do that. And I didn't find that happening with the blue tempo deck, but I found a lot of the times it just the cards weren't pulling their weight enough. Like, sure. I would much rather be drafting a, I don't know, like a Sphinx of Dwar Isle deck than a Spellstarter Sprite deck. Sure. So because of that, it seems like within the last maybe year, uh, recently we've seen a lot of cards which kind of give people those incentives to go for that strategy. Cards like True Name Nemesis, Thassa, which is fine even if you don't get Devotion, like... Um, I think most of the time when I've seen it played, it's most of the time just as a spry engine, which is still really good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then just making your things unblockable is, is certainly no joke. Yeah, it's another one of those cards that helps you just make the switch from offense to defense very fast. Um, is also really good. Uh, uh, Master Ways, uh, Sakashima student, pretty um, solid at that role as well. Uh, are there any other blue cards that I'm thinking of recently that have that have helped with that? Um, I mean, I, of course, the the aforementioned uh, true name. I don't know if you uh, just mentioned that, but <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Like I said dealing with a little bit of this uh, cold type thing <clears throat> going on. Uh, no, because there haven't been a whole lot of blue permanents. I mean, yeah, we have had you know some. Uh, We've had, uh, other than, uh, sorry, uh, other than Master of Waves and Thassa and things like that. But you could very easily, like, you know, do something similar to what I did and, and kind of lean a little bit and lean towards, uh, cards with lots of blue mana in them. Um, I mean, we recently got, uh, from Ravnica, we got, uh, a card with a, a blue mana symbol in it, you know, a new Oblivion ring. Um, which sometimes just making two tokens off of your uh, uh, Master Waves is fine after casting your, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, after casting your Detention Sphere. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a fine play. Um, the, the We got, uh, you know, another Jace 4. You know, Jace Architect is, is fine mm-hmm. in that capacity as well. Um, <clears throat> I mean, at the higher end, sure, we've gotten some other things, but even something you know as as small as or as you know, every symbol counts significantly. So even something like uh, a Ralzarek ahead of it. Yeah, that's another card. Uh, I, I I felt like if we we're going to do some honorable mentions, I feel like Ralzarek is definitely one which I was I've been pretty happy with so far. Yeah, me me too. And actually, actually, uh, and I suppose we could have we, we we forgot to neglect that, but uh, he was certainly on my list of uh, uh, also rans. Uh, I also have uh, Toxic Deluge on that list as yeah, well. Yeah, that was that was. I think it was if it was number six. I was debating between that and Ophiomancer. It's definitely good to have another good black wrath. Like a lot of the non-damnation rats, I've never been super thrilled about. Like Decree of Pain, Bane of Living just costs a bunch of mana. Like a lot of these other non-damnation rats, I d- never was super happy with. And there's Toxic Deluge, and I was like, oh, oh, there you go. So that card's sweet. Yeah. So. 
But yeah. So I think there are a lot of cards, like I said, and you know, opposition. And I think it turns, like I said, I think it does turn on a lot of older cards that maybe necessarily didn't see much action. Yeah, like I added um, things uh, like uh, Plume Veil. I did like Pestermite, for example, and that's been working pretty decently. Well, that's good too if you include like if, if you do like to put little combos in there, and you are running a Kiki Jiki. Yeah, and I just happened to put that in recently too. Not not necessarily for the combo. Although I actually did see that go off pretty recently, which was pretty nice. But, yeah, most of the time it's just for the card separately. But a lot of times it's just, like, tap your land on your upkeep or, like, tap your blocker. Although, I, I to be fair, I do think that uh, <clears throat> the uh, uh, the 1-4 version um, of Pester Might, you know, the non-flying uh, Deceiver Exarch, I think is actually just a fine card in blue. Yeah. And you also have Omen Speaker, too, if you want it. Yeah. So, as far as uh, cheaper blue cards that can come ahead of it. How do you feel about Seagate Oracle in those kinds of decks? Or actually, or I guess in those decks and in general, like, what what are your thoughts on Seagate Oracle? I, I'm not a super huge fan of Seagate Oracle. Um, I liked it just fine in, uh, in Constructed. Um, and I know some people uh, are big fans of it, but... I just feel like every time I play Seagate Oracle, um, the the body's not quite big enough, um, and and three mana is just not a spot a lot of times where I want to be tapping out in cube. Yeah. Um, if I'm playing a a typical kind of blue deck, because so many bad things can happen to you at four mana. Yeah. If you're uh, you know if you're on the other side of that, um, so if I'm if I'm drafting a if I'm drafting a, a more uh, controlling version, I think I'm fine with casting, you know, things like Omen Speaker or uh, what was the one that let you look at the top three and take an instant or sorcery into your hands? No, Augur Bolas. Augur Bolas. Um, I think I'm more willing to do those kinds of cards on two than I am to do a guaranteed card on three for Seagate Oracle. Yeah. Oh, also, uh, speaking of Merfolk, uh, Coral Helm Commander is another one of those interesting kind of cards that I think yes. has gotten. Like, it's it's fine as just a, uh, you know, just like a, a mini Kargan Dragon Lord. Like, I'm trying to think of it. Yep. I haven't, in my time in cube, I have not really gotten Kargan Dragon Lord to an 8-8 that often. Like, it's happened definitely, but not that often. But it's a pretty big threat. Yeah. I, I've seen it do plenty of work as a 4-4. And the problem is, is usually when it does work as a 4-4, you don't even need it to do work as an 8-8. Usually they're dead. Yeah, and that's the thing I like about Coral Helm is just, like, it's very very cheap to level it. And the colorless is pretty sweet, too. Um, But, yeah, the the Merfolk thing is essentially flavor text. Right, except for that, you know, now with Master Waves. Yep. I mean, are we starting to see the rise of of enough Merf? Just like as I think we're also, speaking, you know, since we're talking about uh, archetypes, I think we're getting to a point now where we may have enough humans to run Champion of the Parish as a legitimate one-drop. I've seen some cubes doing that. I don't know if... Like, I think I tried it for a little bit and then cut it, but, yeah, it's... But I think also the difference between powered and non-powered may may affect that some. Um, <clears throat> but I feel like, at least in, you know, for like a modern cube, I feel like you can certainly go that direction. Yeah. And I think we're getting more and more. Just like zombies are becoming a uh, a nice little sub theme in uh, in black. I think humans uh, in white and to a lesser degree black or uh, black or red are becoming 
significant enough that you may be able to run with a, a fairly high degree of reliability uh, champion of the parish as a another two power one drop. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's something to keep your eye out for. I think the whole uh, merfolk thing certainly could be relevant. Yeah, I think I've got five uh, merfolk in my creature section right now. And you know, and all it would take, like I said, if you wanted to add, let's say you wanted to try to push the uh, the mono blue uh, or the the blue based attacking deck some, you know, if you insert a Coral Helm Commander, if you put in, you know, a uh, <clears throat> Threads of Disloyalty, um, stuff like that to try to, you know, like more tempo-based cards, you, you may wind up with something, you know, and not that I, I'm not saying there's enough cards to do it now, but I think it's something to be aware of moving forward at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, can you? I mean, imagine the uh, the the play sequence of you know turn two Coral Helm, turn three you know uh, take control of your two drop or whatever, uh, turn four Master of Waves for five tokens. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Or you know even turn four Opposition, tap a couple of your lands, untap Master of Waves. Good luck. Mm-hmm. So, I, I certainly think there's, uh, <clears throat> I certainly think there's uh, some uh, some things to be had in the near future concerning concerning all this. So, yeah. So I do think those are some of the archetypes, and I'm and I'm looking forward to seeing what more we can we can push in blue to to find what what else to do with that as an attacking archetype. So, and I've always been a big fan of leaving blue as the control color, uh, but. Hey, if we can get cards that'll that'll do double duty, I'm all about it. How's that? Sorry, I keep oh, sorry. Keep, okay, keep losing my my voice more and more here too. As you can hear, I'm getting a little more right. a little more and more ragged as this uh, as this uh, cold or whatever it is that I have is starting to settle into my chest. Uh, so. Very white. <laughs> <laughs> Starting to hey baby, and also uh, one thing we could talk about. Um, back. It was it's a strategy that's supported um, anyway in a lot of cubes, but maybe talk about uh, kind of the um, aggressive support that, like I was talking about a little bit before, with the you know two power one mana things and how that could be um, you know be more of a thing in cube. So, oh, absolutely. I mean, and the thing is too is not only have we gotten more. Uh, good one drops. I mean, don't forget, you know, uh, experiment one. Experiment one, certainly another, uh, <clears throat> lower end drop you can play. Um, but you also got, in this past year, and this is the card I almost put on my list, um, and then just found other cards, uh, Imposing Sovereign. Imposing Sovereign is very, very good. Uh, Young Pyromancer is, uh, can be an aggressive creature, like that opens up, uh, other possibilities of, like the spells matter decks, um, but the other thing that we've gotten too is we've gotten some good, efficient redundancy in the burn spells between Boros Trauma. I mean, we got another, you know, another Searing Spear. You know, we got Lightning Strike. I mean, how? Uh, I certainly think it, it it's starting to make it easier for people. To, it's going to make it easier for the the lay cuber to actually have 
better aggressive strategies in their cube without having to uh, really break things down and and uh, balance numbers like we've had to do for past years, really trying to push the aggressive deck. You just kind of look and be like, oh, well, here, here are these cards that seem to be sweet. So yeah, I'm, we got, you know, even something like Ash Zeller, mm-hmm. which we've got, you know, granted that was last, that was, you know, the end of 2012, but <clears throat> Gorehouse Chainwalker and, and Ash Zellit and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and things like that are, you know, also push that quite a bit. Um, Deathrite Shaman, I mean, Dryad Militant, <clears throat> excuse me, Gutter Snipe is, is uh, has turned out to be a very good card for that. Um, we're starting, to, you know, the world is starting to see the power of Pack Rat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing I was also going to mention. Like, it was a card that like was very under the radar, and I think I speculated on it based on my cube experience. Like, I bought thirty on the cheap, uh-huh. and it was like, and for a while they weren't doing anything. I was like, I was I was considering selling them off for bulk. Just use them as tokens. Yeah, and that's what I was going to do. For, that's what I was doing for a while was just using a bunch as um, tokens, and then. People started seeing the power of it in the Black Devotion decks, and eventually realized you don't really need Black Devotion for it to be good. You just need Black Mana. Right. And then you know, then the, the card started. People just getting to know it more, and I feel like some hipster or something was like, "Well, I always thought it was a good card anyway." So there you go. I remember, well, you know, and I had, I hadn't included it in my cube as as a nod to its power in the limited format, um, but now we're starting to see its constructed impact as well, which. Uh, for me, has kind of solidified its home. And what was nice is that, you know, before it hit big, I traded for a bunch of copies of them at, like, you know, 50 cents each for it to use as tokens. Nice. For my, uh, you know, the foil on my cube. And all of a sudden, people were like, yeah, I need pack rats. They're, like, trading for, like, three, four dollars each. I'm like, I got plenty. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'll trade them. I'll get tokens later. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Just use plague rats as tokens or whatever. <laughs> I use a die. Here's a rat. Yeah, give me some money for that. There you go. Right. Here you go. Gladly. Take them yep. all. I like it. Get them back later when they rotate out of construction. Mm-hmm. No problem. Yep. <laughs> I can wait. So, so yeah, certainly aggressive decks have uh, have gotten a lot of help. It does kind of seem strange when I see cubes that, like, include Incinerate as, like, a staple, but they won't include, include cards like Searing Spear, even though the regeneration is mostly, mostly relevant. relevant. Yeah. Uh, maybe for like a couple, maybe like a massacre or two if they're running all of them. Boas. Yeah, boas. And most of the time when I see that, it's most of the time they don't run the boas. So it's just like, why do you consider like incinerate snap include but not steering spear? It just seems because it's strictly better, dude. Oh yeah, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I think those kinds of cards would definitely help. Um, and I'm like really excited to see what this new set brings, like. Uh, whatever, Born of the Gods, and whatever the next card is called, set is called, Journey into Nyx. Yeah, and I don't know, we're apparently getting a new Ajani, too, and new Elspeth or something, I don't know. Elspeth, new Elspeth is another honorable mention. I guess I have, I forget if I told... That card is so I forget if I told the story about, um, about, uh, Elspeth, about the experience, like, my impressions of it. I don't know if you have. Okay, so I guess I am now. So when Elspeth was spoiled, I was actually out of town. I was in, like, Minnesota uh, when that was going on. And 
So like when when yeah, so I was in Minnesota when I saw that happen, and there was that party, whatever. They were um, previewing all the cards. They were like, "Hey, uh, party, PAX party, whatever." You know, it's one of those parties where they pre- preview a bunch of cards, and they have people going to them, and they post like giant versions of the card, and people you know take pictures of them and then post them to social media like Twitter or whatever. So Elspeth was one of those spoils, and you know I, was, I remember waiting at like. 11 or something, even though I was, like, out of town. I was like, oh, man, this seems sweet. And then saw the Elspeth. I'm like, what? I'm like, this card seems really good. But, you know, I couldn't play tests. I couldn't test it. I'm like, I really want to test this card in cube, but I can't because my cube is, like, however many miles away. So, <laughs> right. but I remember thinking, like, and a lot of people are very lukewarm about it, you know, and, like, social media and, like, salvation. I think when I texted Kenny Mayer about it, he said something like, a lot of people seem really scared to say something like, this seems pretty good or seems okay. And I'm like, this card seems really good, like, just to be able to stabilize the board and, like, well, six mana's too much and Elspeth costs five and maybe six is too much mana. One of the first things I did when I got home was I just created some generic white mid-range deck and tested Elspeth out. and like, this card is ridiculous. And, of course, after I said that, there were people who were like, oh, yeah, I thought this card was good the whole time. I was like, ah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thinking, yeah, sure, that was definitely yeah, a card yeah. I was quite happy about, so. <clears throat> Pretty happy about sure, that one. <laughs> oh, wow, my, my voice is getting wrecked. Don't die. Don't die on me. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know how much more I got left in me. Oh, my God, it's going. Don't die. You can hear medical science at work. <laughs> Do you have, like, more tea or anything? Or? Oh, I, I, yeah. I've been drinking it the whole time. Oh. Uh-oh. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. I don't. I, I know that's rude to make noises like that. That's fine. I'll just cut it out in post or cut out what I can. <clears throat> or you can leave it in, and then people will say, oh, hey, you didn't cut that out in post. There uh-huh. we go. <laughs> that's always- All right. Well, let's, uh, let, let's talk just a little bit maybe about uh, uh, you know, the whole uh, – just a, a, an observation or two about the the rising prices of magic. <clears throat> Give me just a second here, and I'm gonna grab some water. You can feel free to uh, to to wax on poetically, or you can just uh, we can just take a quick break here, just for a second or two, while I uh, grab some more beverage to see if I can talk for another uh, ten fifteen minutes. <laughs> Don't die. I guess I could maybe say something, and if it sounds terrible, I'll just cut it out and post or something. Yeah, if you if you want to uh, wax poetic for a little while here, I'll uh, I'll just mute and uh, go in search of beverage, and and I I can chime in when I get. Do you have out. any like lemon and honey or like anything like that? I mean, I have all kinds of different teas and things like that. I just don't know what I can locate. So, That's true. all right, I'm going to, I'm going to mute. All right. Have fun. <laughs> so, one of the things I think is interesting about, like, uh, the foil prices is just, like, it's, uh, for me at least, I didn't really get a lot of foil cards because I'm cheap and somewhat regret that. Like, it seems like, especially with a lot of the old cards, the whole lack of supply thing is, like, really a factor with those kinds of things. And even, like, cards like, you know, Goyf and whatever are kind of still subject to that. Even with Modern Masters being in the mix, there's still just cards that cost a lot. But even still, 
I don't know. It's it's definitely pretty crazy. Like a lot of cube staples tend to be staples in other formats. Um, and just because of you know cross power in other formats, and at least for car like things where they're kind of like standard workhorses, they tend to be worth a lot. Um, especially with a lot of Magic players. You know, we're probably seeing the most Magic players probably ever. And, you know, with, like, the rise of, you know, like, foils, you know, like, when a card is really popular, you know, like the, uh, what's that, like, Seachrome Coast kind of cards. I remember Seachrome Coast was, like, uh, let's see. So, yeah, it's, like, where you'll have the, uh, like, cards like Seachrome Coast and, like, Cargan Dragon Lord, the regulars will go up to, like, 15, and then when they rotate out, they're worth not so much. Um, they're cards like, uh, and then the foil ones will be insane, but, like, ones that tend to stay relevant in a lot of older formats, like, you know, Legacy and things like that. Like, the prices on those seem like they're quite high. And, yeah. Well, and, excuse me, whatever I've done hasn't seemed to work very well, but i got a few more minutes. The the thing is, is that the the demand keeps going up. Um, we're we're seeing that with the commander decks, you know, kind of circling back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, the the demand for magic cards keeps going up, um, and and the longer, the more elongated the timeline, uh, the more cards get black hold. Right, so you know, people who used to play or used to collect a bunch move on to the next thing and just kind of keep their cards in their closet or keep their cards wherever. Um, more and more pimp copies of cards are winding up in people's legacy decks, or winding up in EDH decks, or winding up in cubes, um, and so there's just less of them around. And because they're, you know, it's it's kind of cyclical. There's more people have cubes, more people want nicer cards. More of those cards are winding up in cubes, so there's less of them there, which, you know, can, you know, drive up demand more. And this kind of keeps going back and forth. Um, but Modern Masters certainly did not help very much. Um, it helped on all but the most expensive cards. Uh, all it did for the most expensive cards was make them more expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a, uh, for example, um, you know, if you look at the top, you know, three to three to four cards of the set, uh, you know, Mythics, Tarmogoyf, Dark Confidant, uh, and uh, Vendillion Click. All those cards are, I, I you know, and I have to look, all those cards are, I, I dare say, more expensive than they were before the set came out. Um, all of the kind of middling rares and things like that, a lot of those had the prices gone way down which certainly helps a lot. But the thing is, is a lot of those cards weren't modern staples anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, granted, you know, it's hard for me to, to, to say anything bad about modern masters, but uh, a lot of the cards just, you know, a lot of the cards that necessarily needed to be reprinted or uh, needed, you know, they, I, I think that some people were, Hoping would decrease in value, just didn't. Yeah, like the Goyfs and Dark Confidants. Right, and, and if anything, you know, some of them are artificially high. Um, 
I, I recently did a two-headed giant draft of Modern Masters at a local store the other day, a couple weeks ago. Um, and I, it was pretty amazing. Out of those, you know, there were seven teams there. I saw that's 42 packs opened. Someone opened a foil sword of fire and ice. Wow. That foil sword of fire and ice is like $130 retail. Yeah. Because of the new artwork. And it being a foil new artwork that matches the rest. $130. You know, like, um, so it's certainly got a lot more cards in the circulation. Um, and, and, and there are, there are certainly some staples that, that, experienced a uh a depression of price um you know lightning helix you know there's a lot more lightning helix life in the loam didn't that that go down right life in the loam went significantly down um you know there you said there are there are certainly a lot of cards like that that went down and what happened so we saw life from the loam go down let's let's just talk about uncommons right so we saw or commons, like, you know, commons reaches were getting kind of expensive for a common. So we saw cards like that go down. Electrolyze, price went down some. Huh. Uh, Lightning Helix, price went down some. So what happened? More people, yeah, more people got into modern. But in order to play those type of decks, I mean, what's the uncommon from those decks that you need if you want to play, like, a red, white, blue? Yeah, that's true. Um... What, what What card is it that you need? Probably lightning heal or so you have your lightning helixes now and you have your electrolyze, but what blue instant was not printed in Modern Masters that was uncommon that you probably won that day? Spell snare, right? Also that reprinted. reprinted. So that helped a little bit with that price too. But what's another one? Cost two mana. It's two mana. Jeez, I should know this. Um, oh, remand. Have you looked at the price of remand recently? I thought last I checked it was fifteen. Let's see what it is now. So, so we're talking an uncommon from Ravnica. Yep. Fifteen dollars, and I think FNMs are like what thirty now. Twenty-five. Wow. So, while the price of some of those cards went down because it increased the demand for cards in the format, the price of the format stayed the same or went higher. Yeah, just because those other cards didn't. Or the or they didn't get enough supply in the in the format. Well, well, you know, no, I can, you know, I can get, you know, great, I can go out and get my helixes and I can get my this and that, whatever. But what else does my blue white? What else does my blue white red deck need? Oh, well, it needs celestial colonnades. So those went from you know four dollars to ten dollars. What? Oh, I need remands. Uh, you know, I'm sure they're not as high anymore. Um, but yeah, Celestial Colonnades went way high. Uh, yeah, right, so they're currently, uh, 13. Jeez. So, you know, those were three, four dollar cards after they rotated out of standard. But as more people went into the format, just like, you know, I mean, from a very simplistic standpoint, I want to start playing modern, right? So I'm, I'm Anthony Moderno, and I want to start playing modern. Mm-hmm. And I get a box, or I do a couple drafts of Modern Masters, and sweet, I opened the Tarmoglyph. I want to play a deck with Tarmoglyphs in it, because I opened the Tarmoglyph. What do I have to do to play with a deck with Tarmoglyphs in it? I have to trade for three more of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So I need more Tarmoglyphs, which makes 
the demand go up because now I've gotten I've gotten a sweet sweet taste of that Tarmo action, and I you know I just need need a little more, I need another hit, I need three more hits of Tarmo life. And, and so you know, and, and you know, I'm sure there are financial people out there who may disagree with me. Oh, that's not the way things work. But you know, <clears throat> I think it's a fairly good perspective on on a reason that these kind of things could be happening. Yeah, uh, between the polling between just the supply not being there anymore. Um, and I think, too, with uh, much like our 24-hour or last news cycle in the world now due to social media and the Internet, I think the MagiCard pricing cycle is way shorter now, too. All it takes is for someone to literally just go to a website and buy a bunch of one type of card and it can inflate the price across the internet. I remember that happening with some random card from like Legends oh, yeah. or something or some. That's been happening with a bunch of stuff. Yeah. You know, we've seen more and more examples of it. But I mean, look at. Uh, let's take something like recently, uh, Frixian Obliterator. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I think I might be thinking of. You're right. Has just gone nuts recently because it's you know, granted the card was never cheap. It never really went down in price under $10 very much, but due to the fact that all it took was some Reddit talk about it, and some people moving in to buy them, and that's it. The card's now $25, $30. Yeah, median's 30 That's in, that's a period of time. Wow. Well, yeah, median's $30. That's insane. Wow. Yeah, and it's, there isn't really a deck for it. Like, I guess Black Devotion, I think, wasn't that the thing people were trying to do? People are looking at uh, the people also like to play it. I saw months ago people playing it in decks with uh, uh, Raul, uh, not Raul Zarek, uh the the red green recent Zagos uh, Planeswalker. So the red green Planeswalker uh, Domery. Oh, oh wow, that's an interesting combo. Okay, you're like fight. Okay. So not only do you lose your guy in the fight, but you also have to lose that many permanents. Wow. Oh, and V-Clicks, those are also insane right now. Right. Yeah, like the V-Clicks part, you know, that goes with my my previous conversation, the, you know, about the, the blue-white-red deck or whatever. Yeah. All these other cards. While there are certainly cards that went down in price, because the demand then goes up for the other cards in the deck, it kind of all levels out. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's so, like... Like, I think um, there's another card, like, what's that? Um, Disrupting Shoal? Oh, yeah, that card has taken a huge jump recently. Yeah. Because of mono blue decks or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's... That card was literally worth, like, nothing for a long, long time. Yeah, now it's 11. Now they're, like, sold out across the Internet. Jeez. It's really, really crazy how that kind of thing happens. And I think that does, like I said, that does can, can affect Cube as well, especially when those, I mean, nobody's playing really disrupting Shoal and Cube. And if you are, please don't. But, you know, just like a lot of these cards, um, usually it's like the older ones, like, uh, I'm trying to think, like Gaia's Cradle. Yeah, Gaia's Cradle's insane now. How, how much, much are, regu are regulars? 200? They, uh... And the thing is, I don't even own a regular one anymore. That's the funny thing. Wow. All I have is a foil one. The judge one? Yeah. 
from a long time ago. Yeah, like the judge ones are like three. Looks like uh, 360. 360. Yeah. I think TCG player just has one in stock or something. But, yeah, it looks like it's 360. So, yeah, regulars are like 125 to 150. Yeah. And the thing is, once again, that's a card you need more than one copy of, but at least that's legacy. Yeah. Uh, with the recent push, you know, uh, I, personally, and, you know, like I said, this is a, certainly a tangent, but if there's one thing I'll, I'm learning from the way that these seasons work is um, I'm starting to try to, since modern season is still uh, a bit away as far as a PTQ season, I, I'm trying to re- lay some foundation for stuff like that. Well, what's nice is then when you can lay that, foundation for these cards in the future for example uh i i'm trying to pick up like the jund lands uh for modern so like the uh the red green red black uh world wake lands and the uh the fast lands the scars ones oh wow you know not, not not very much but guaranteed in another, you know, six months, nine months, or whenever it is when modern season rolls around, that's another six to nine months of further away from those cards being printed. Oh, wow. So that they should definitely be worth want those cards. Then that's when you can trade those cards for those cube foils that you want. Yeah. Uh, but I am – that all said, I, I cannot express how lucky and fortunate, you know, fortunate I am to have gotten – done most of that work before the boom that we've seen. Yeah. Um, it's at a, I, I can't really speak to whether or not this is going to continue. Um, I, you know, usually, I mean, all, all bubbles have a tendency to break. However, magic does not seem to be slowing down in terms of popularity, so. That's true, yeah. You know, I, I, I have a hard time seeing the end of that. Uh, for me, I would just, you know, as far as a hobby goes, I, I would tend to put I, – I don't mind shifting assets around within Magic, you know, trading out of standard cards into foils for cube. But I certainly wouldn't want to spend a bunch of cash out of pocket for uh, for Magic cards. Yeah. To, if for some reason they all, you know, we experience some sort of catastrophic event. But I, I think with uh, recent – you know, you know, in the past five to, to ten years, when they've kind of screwed up a bit and, and alienated a lot of players, um, I, I think they're they're certainly you know still learning from that, and I think you'll see less and less of that happen in the future, which just means more and more Magic players, which means higher and higher prices when they push older formats. So I, I think we'll certainly see a Modern Masters too. Yeah, I would be. Pretty surprised if there wasn't, yeah. Because it seemed that was... Personal was such a success. Yeah. Um, but, you know, who knows? They they still may not print all the cards that need to be printing. And like I said, some of them might just, you know, just to print them at Mythic. Yeah. I'm wondering if they would print something like Fetchlands at Mythic, even though that's it's the kind of card they said they wouldn't print at Mythic. But, like, would they in, right. a, like, a Modern Masters kind of set? And I don't know if they would... I don't think they would, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, I could see them being judge promos. Yeah. Much like the original five. Oh wow! Yeah, that's true. 
How much are those worth? They're worth a, a fair bit. Hmm. It depends on which ones you're talking about. Obviously, the blue ones are worth way more than than, than the other ones. How much are like um, it's like wooded foothills? The uh, the Judge promo ones or yeah. the the regular ones? I guess the Judge. Because like the the for example like the the blue ones the Judge promos come in just under the regular foils. So like judge, so like regular foil flooded strand, for example, is probably in the two fifty range. Wow. Uh, judge promo ones are like two or so. Um, but like wooded foothills, uh, like regular regular foils are one twenty five, one thirty. Uh, judge promo ones are. Pretty close to that. I think the gap is smaller on those than on the blue ones. Huh. Um, they're probably right in the 110 range. So, yep. That's pretty crazy. Yep. Wow. Yep. And, you know, and those are, once again, those are cards, you know, think about how long it's been since those cards were printed. Yeah. Like wooded foot. Ten years about? And that was awesome. Yeah. They had an old border. And like you know, while in some of our memories who've been playing that whole time, that oh yeah, I remember that. And then you look at the calendar, and you're like, oh crap, that was a long time mm-hmm. ago. Yeah, it was what uh, eleven years ago. So, and especially when we're talking about a commodity that is easily lost, easily stored, easily damaged. Yeah. Yeah, you can, the numbers of these things are, you know, just the decrease over time. So, I, I mean, if there were literally any interest in vintage tournaments, those cards would be, I mean, astronomical. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, some of them seem astronomical as it is, but I mean, seriously, if there were any interest in, if if the interest in vintage was, you know, twenty five percent of that of legacy. Yeah. I mean, you'd be seeing, you know, $5,000 lotuses. Pretty much, yeah. The for, the format, it's, yeah, it's a pretty pretty unpopular format, I guess, yeah. It's just no one, has, I mean, the card just, you know, in, in terms of how many exist compared to the amount of Magic players, the card, you know, might as well not exist. Yeah, and then you see, like, thefts, like what happened to, uh, you know, like David Williams at Gen Con that one year. Yeah, when he had his like his vintage deck stolen, I was like, "Wow, that's insane." Well, that's another byproduct of this boom in finances. That, as cube owners, we have to be very aware of too. Is that you know, you're dealing with a commodity that possession. I mean, literally, possession is pretty pretty close to nine tenths of the law. Yeah, and it's kind of insane. Like I remember recently, I had. Um, so there were some cards that were missing from my cube. Like, I did some checking, and I have, like, um, I've done some 10-person cube drafts, which is pretty insane. Um, I guess shout-outs to um, where I usually do it uh, Tuesday nights at a store called The Wizard's Wagon. It's in uh, St. Louis. It's in, like, the Loop area, kind of somewhat downtownish. Um, but I've been usually doing weekly cube drafts there, and it's been um, pretty sweet. Um, but usually I have 460 cards, just like so it has some extra cards um, in there, so it's not, like, if I do have a 10-person draft, but recently when there have been a draft, there have been, like, nine cards after. I think it was a week when I wasn't there, and they were like, hey, there's nine cards instead of ten. I was like, uh, 
did someone just steal a card from my cube? And part of it was thinking, what did they steal, like a foil proxy? Some some idiot stealing a proxy again? <laughs> and then found out that somebody um, needed a forest for the deck, and instead of going up to get a forest, he just stuck a forest from, like, a land box above a vampire hex mage and then just stuck that forest in the land box. Oh. Yeah. Huh. And there was another, I think there was a draft... I found out after there was another draft where it was like we thought there was two cards missing and one was that somebody miscounted their packs and there was one extra. So somebody just goofed. Gotcha. And that's when we found out about the Hex Mage thing. I was like, well, that's good. And then thinking, well, I don't really have anything worth stealing anyway. I just have like a Karn that Cranny signed or like a, uh, a key, uh, like a whatever the Commander Kiki Jiki, the foil one or whatever. Gotcha, the, uh, uh, from the vault one? Yeah. Yeah, like, those are, like, the only cards that are really worth stealing in my queue, but the rest were just, like, I'm like, why would somebody want to steal that? That's just stupid. But, yeah, that's definitely a thing um, that can be pretty scary for, you know, a cube owner if they were to have, like, because, yeah, you d- like that Mox Diamond that, that you lost yeah. there. And, you know, that's, you know, it, luckily it wasn't that big of a deal to, to replace it, but... It's kind of a pain. Yeah. You know, if I wanted to, if I, if I needed to pay out of pocket for that, I mean, you know, that's a, it could be a, a fairly decent dinner for two, you know? Yeah. How much are Mox Diamonds now? I don't know. That one? Which one? 30? Did you have the Stronghold or it the, was the, the No, the, it was a, the, from the vault one. Okay. Uh, median 29, that's, looks like. Yeah, so, so I was, those are about right on. Yeah. But yeah, that's a pretty decent chunk of change there. So I mean, if you, if you were to type a person to you know to just replace it with cash, I mean, thirty bucks is certainly a, a non-zero amount. Yeah. So yeah, you have to, and, and I think that's you know something I, I've talked to more and more cube owners who stop taking their cubes out just for the fact that you know they don't want to get ripped off, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's kind of hard to to really argue with that logic, you know. So. Especially as you know, like I said, possession nine tenths of the law. I mean, if with the exception of, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I mean, just just imagine this scenario: you're you're sitting there with random person, random person, you know, goes in your binder, takes a card out of your binder while you are the only one watching, and sticks it in their binder, like with a card that's just like it. And you say, hey, man, give him my card back. And they say, what card? Whoa. If there's nobody else watching, if people come over, it's just one person's word against another, right? Pretty much, yeah. If there's no security footage and there's nothing else, it, it's literally, I mean, it'd be different if dude had, like, no magic cards on him and just happened to have, you know, this card from your binder. But, like... If everything else is equal, I mean, how how could a third party person really make a decision on who who that card belongs to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, w- without going through like you know character references and you know what I mean, like just from that objective point of view, right then and there, how do you make that call? Your name's not on it. Mm-hmm. It's not serialized. You don't have a receipt showing that you have that card that that specific one. 
I mean, that's a very simplistic scenario, but how do you even, you know, make that happen? If there's, you know, like I said, if there's no other eyes on it, yeah. you know, when it happens. Yeah, definitely so, scary situation, yeah. It, it, it leads to, you know, people needing to be a, a lot more careful, uh, you know, moving forward, especially as, you know, come on, they're, hey, well, here's this $30 deck. It's in Walmart, but there's a $50 card in it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're going to start seeing more and more shenanigan type things happening, I, I fear. I'm really surprised about the whole, like, hey, will you set aside this deck for me? I'll, I'll, I'll make it worth your while. It's like, wow. (laughs) I mean, it happens all the time with other things. We just don't really see it. Um, uh, I dated a girl for a while who, uh, I don't know if she had a a family member who was into, uh, like, uh, Hot Wheels collecting, or uh, or she had a, a friend who was into Hot Wheels collecting. But apparently for a while, and I don't know if they still do this or not, there are uh, certain Hot Wheels that only come, like, one per case. Hmm. Um, and I think they're called, like, Treasure Hunt. Um, yeah, they're called Treasure Hunt. Uh, they're Treasure Hunt Hot Wheels. They come, I don't know what the rarity is, but, I mean, they're uh, one per case, one per multiple cases or whatever. And they have a special little, like, green flag on them or whatever. And basically what they are, they're ultra rares. They're the equivalent of, you know, uh, to use, like, uh, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh terms, like ghost rares or, you know, whatever the the different rarity levels are. Mm -hmm. Um, Those never hit the shelves of toy stores, ever. Wow. Because the people who go through the boxes and put them out know that they're there or know people who put them there. I mean, I, I you know, I, and speaking to people, and maybe others can, you know, verify this, that maybe they've seen one on shelves. But, you know, things like that never hit the shelves because there are people in place who have connections who say, hey, whenever you come across these, you know, I'll pay you to pull those aside for me. Or if they're the collector themselves who work there. Or they're the person who puts things on eBay themselves, you know? Which, by the way, okay, here's a, just kind of poking around. Of course, this is a buy it now, so who knows if it's actually worth this. But uh, uh, Hot Wheels 1995 Super Treasure Hunt uh, 67 Camaro Chrome with a back wheel variation. $800 buy it now. What? And they would. How much would they be able to pick it up in a store for? Like how much? Like ten bucks? I mean, you know, I don't know. They're how much are Hot Wheels now? I don't even know. Three dollars. I have no $2? idea. Wow. I'm not That's sure how much cost. I have those, and who knows how long. Yeah. But you know, and even other ones. You know, I don't think they're as rare as they used to be. Um, but it's still pretty insane. Like. Yeah. But yeah, have these, like, little, uh, you know, the, the little, like, green flags on them or whatever. Um, I don't know how much sure they are, but yeah, those things have never hit. I, I, you know, and talk to people, no one's ever, you know, they're not typically on shelves at all. So. Wow. That's crazy. Jeez. Wow. 
Learn something new every day. Well, I guess. And, and, there, and there might even be, you know, there might be other ones. Okay, so I'm looking on, on a couple websites here. Uh, Walmart has special release days for Hot Wheels collectors. They enter a lottery and get first rights to purchase anything in the box. What? That was posted July 15th of this year. Wow. But all it takes is one, you know, nighttime stock person or whatever to get that. Oh, here's a Hot Wheel box. Or, let's see. Oh, here's the treasure hunt one. Yoink. <laughs> That's so. ridiculous. So, yeah, I see no reason why that couldn't branch out into uh, magic. Yeah. For some reason, I thought they had that kind of thing wouldn't happen. But that, yeah, that's people who are playing and such. So, yeah, that's, huh. Wow. Yeah. So, there you go. That's why I couldn't find a mine. All right, man. Well, I don't know about about you, but I I don't know if there's anything else you you want to go over, but I'm a... I'm starting to feel pretty miserable yeah, over here. Feel, feel pretty so, bad. I, I think I'm gonna. Uh, yeah, I'm, maybe like I'm gonna call it a call it a podcast here. Maybe too. like there's something about like Planeswalker. Uh, this guy, Mister Brightside from uh, from Portugal, said something about like Planeswalker design space. I'm really not sure where they're gonna go with Planeswalkers, but I feel like there's the whole like too many Planeswalkers in cube, and I don't know if that's really. I think we've talked about that enough, but I'm wondering like maybe where Planeswalkers would go in the future for Cube. Like, Elspeth is not really the most innovative Planeswalker, but it's a good... I don't know. I think it's a good card. Garrick, Big Garrick's pretty nice. Yeah, I, as far as design space goes, we're, you know, I, I'm not sure, but we're starting to see some new forays into design space as far as getting Chroma fixed, mm-hmm. you know, with Devotion. I mean, maybe, you know, these, these, maybe, you know, we'll start seeing some planeswalkers that involve, I, I could see planeswalkers starting to, uh, relate to mechanics more often. Yeah. That, you know, maybe something with four abilities, but you can only activate one of the abilities if you have devotion equal to this. Garrick Relentless, I thought, um, was a really good, just very clever. Yeah. Like, it, it's power, power wise, very good. Flavor wise, like fit the set very well, like fit the lore very well, hit the uh, you know the flip mechanic very well. Um, thematically, just did what you know. Garrick is just like this guy who summons stuff. He's just like this aggressive guy who wanted to his what he was in Innistrad was was to fight Liliana, and that's what Garrick is doing in that with that card. He's just fighting something like right. I, like I thought that card was brilliant. It's also just yeah, probably one of my favorite cube cards in general. Just very splashable. Like I'll splash the thing in a lot of decks. Sure. But yeah, I'm not really sure where like design space. Like I'm not sure where else they'll go for like blue. Like that new Ajani seems like it could be interesting. I have no idea what they're gonna do with it though. Like maybe it'll make cats. Yeah, I mean, well, we've started to see some you know more design space for the commander cards. I mean, there's all the you know for the first time we saw. You know, commander specific references uh, when played from the exile zone, or if it's in your exile zone, or uh, it comes into play with this many counters for the number of times you've played it, or protection from target player. You know, or, or you know things like that. Uh, I mean, perhaps we'll start, you know, seeing some of that with, you know, maybe not the exile zone and things like that, but you know, maybe. 
planeswalkers will start referencing themselves more often. Uh, I am wondering I think, if one uh, of these days... Soren's the only one that, that does so far. I feel like one of these days there's going to be a journey to nowhere for non-creatures, like one in a white exile target non-land, non-creature permanent. Mm. Or just maybe like other planeswalker answers, which we're getting like Heroes Downfall, which almost made my list... Was another one of my, like, almosts. Um, that card, I think, has been pretty sweet. Like, three-man removal, I've never been huge on. But, you know, being able to kill Planeswalker is pretty, gives it just enough bonus. Yes. Agreed. But yeah, it's, I don't know. I think it's uh, interesting. I, I'm not really sure where they're going to go. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping, like, Chandra, Chandra, Firebrand, or not Firebrand, Pyromaster. That was a card I, I was pretty happy with, even though... Like, a lot of people didn't like it at first, and then I think I warmed up to it, and then it, it you know, kind of... I think people, yeah, I think people underestimated the second ability, those who evaluated it wrong. Yeah, I think it was like, well, you can, you, if you play it, you can't zero it, and it's like, well, okay, <laughs> sure, but you can plus it, right? Right. Oh, you can, you can zero it. That's the the zero ability is the uh, flip a card. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, usually, like, playing on turn four and then flipping it usually isn't the best thing, but, like, you can just usually plus it and then ding them, and the next turn just start going, oh, flip, oh, right. flip. But, yeah, that, it's – I'm pretty happy with it. Um, I'm wondering if maybe there'll be good legends for a cube, but I don't know if I'm really going to see that. Um, Kira, oh, Kira, another really good Devotion blue card. Yes. That archetype. Yes. Yeah, uh, and another Modern Masters card. Oh, yeah, that is. Good call, good call. Yeah, Kira, good call on that one. Yeah, that's a that's a good... Even after it was in my, uh, my Grand Prix sealed deck. Were you in blue? Yeah, yeah it was blue-white. Nice. That was insane. Nice. Did you have anything that else, like, was ridiculous in that deck? Close to unbeatable. Huh. Yeah, I, I mean, I had a... Uh, I, I literally didn't lose a single game in which I cast uh, a few killers of our deck. <laughs> <laughs> I had, uh, I had... I think my sealed deck had double feud killers of our deck. What? Uh, one and a foil feud killers of our deck. What? Because um, they were uncommon. Yeah. Uh, I had uh, Kira... Uh, had one more rare. I had a rare that the rare that I played in blue white. Uh, sword. No. Uh, I don't know. It's it's uh. I guess I can look up my own article about it. Nice. I like it. Blue. Oh, not modern masters. Yep. Sorry about that. I don't know. I must have closed my call or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. My internet, uh, my Chrome was being really slow. I don't think it even interacts with Chrome, but I remember it was being really slow, and then it all of a sudden just dropped the call. So it, it probably was on my end, but it looks like it recorded it, so, oh, so okay. that's good. But well, the other rare was, so I had a Cloud Goat Ranger, um, a Grand Arbiter Augustine. What? Wow. Yeah, that card's insane. 
That's um, ridiculous. I, I, I want to I want a game strictly from casting it. I, I was on the play, and I cast it on turn four before he cast his on turn four, <laughs> and literally literally time walked him for an entire turn. What? Because he, he just didn't have any other drops to make. And I'm just like, Grand Arbiter, go. He's just like, mm, go. Wow. And then I'm like, okay, you know, do some stuff, go. And then he has to spend his entire turn paying five mana to play Grand Arbiter to get rid of my Grand Arbiter. <laughs> so it actually, like, he, he had a turn where he could do nothing, and then he had a turn where he had to use all of his mana, all of his resources to just get rid of Were my. you able to use the uh, the mana reduction? Yeah, of course. Nice. <laughs> I think I wound up casting like a, a, a four mana Moldrifter or something like. That. <laughs> I don't remember what it was. Some four mana Moldrifter or something like that. The next turn, in addition to something else. Wow. So I think I suspended me, but yeah, that deck was sweet. Nice. That's pretty. So that's pretty uh, sweet. Yeah, I, I had I had double Saltfield Reapers. <laughs> that card's dumb. Oh. Card's stupid. The, the 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 double few killer verdict literally never lost a game in which I cast it. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, ten life out of five, five foe. Oh. And you can't kill it because of Kira, or you can't kill it easily. Right, play, play, played Kira, you know, multiple times against like red black decks, and it's like Kira. And they're like, well, crap. And that's the thing I like about Kira in um, like cube, is like if you have it defending a bunch of like small guys, they can't spot removal. I mean, they can still master removal, but like spot removing your guys is. An awful deal. It is like the most inefficient thing in the world. It's like, well, I guess I can bolt it and uh, bolt it again. Great. That was that was productive. Yep. <laughs> also had a uh, right. Also had uh, otherworldly journey. That car's so good. Also had otherworldly journey and con. No, I think I'll just blink it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, now I have a three-three flyer. Oh, I dropped two cards too. Oh, my bad. Sure. This. Uh... Oh yeah, you don't gain your three life. My. my <laughs> you don't. You don't do no. that. So. <laughs> this ended well for everybody, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was good stuff. So, so like I say, yeah, hard for me to talk poorly about uh, modern masters, yeah. for sure. All right, man. I think my throat's about had it. I think I'm gonna have to, to call I it. I can. So. Uh, I can say the same as well. I guess. Um, want to do a quick shout out to the Magic Box. They kind of did a year end review kind of thing, and I was like, well, might as well do our own spin on it, kind of thing. Yeah, I like it. I think it was a good idea. Yeah. So, thanks to them, and, and thanks to you for uh, for bringing it up, and, and thanks to all the people who uh, mentioned uh, topics, including uh, Knopf and Calibretto, Hardbody, Mr. Brightside. Uh, I think uh, <clears throat> Cube Miser, Mr. Uh, Brian Miller on Twitter. Yep, yep. Of I course. somebody else. Yeah, so we have, we have quite a few people. Pernicious Dave, yeah. I think is another one we can he's, uh He's Mr. Podcast uh, co-host, or... or Sorry, <laughs> he's the he he created the theme. So so of course yeah, Dave Martin Jones. Yep. So he's certainly uh, another person to uh, to thank for for everything that he's done. 
I posted a, uh, a nice video for him online the other day. Uh, you, you might want to take a look at that on the, on my Facebook. It involved, uh, both Huel Hauser and a, uh, crazy musical instrument from like, uh, turn of the century that they used to use for old cartoons. Nice. I was gonna say, does maybe it involve I'll, cats? Uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll post it in the, uh, in the show notes too, so you guys can nice. see. Nice. I like. And that way you guys can complain about, why are you talking about musical instruments on a cubing podcast? I don't want to hear about the theremin. <laughs> yeah, where's the like? Or the, or, I think the instrument is called the orchestrion. Huh. Nice. So, uh, yeah, you'll have to check that out. I'm sure you'll enjoy they it. They have, like, a new cat, and, like, the cats were, like, kind of, like, meeting each other. And one of the cats uh-huh. was, like, going, you know, just like a kind of sound. Right, right, right. It sounds like a theremin. <laughs> is this cat a theremin? Like, when you put your hand closer to the cat, was it like changing noise? Theremin's awesome. That 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 instrument's cool. <laughs> yeah, I thought of that, and I was telling my girlfriend, I'm like, like this cat's making like theremin noises. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> the none too heavy, not very happy no. noise. So. So that's, uh, right. I think that's about, that's all I can think of. Um, so yeah, um, I guess one quick thing, I don't know how quick this would be. If there's things you want from sets in this new year for Cube, what do you want? That is a great question. Yeah, just, just, and I wish I had time to think about that. I, I just thought of it right. Yes, I'm sure there are, very, I'm sure there are very specific things that that I can think of. I think, um, I, like honestly, because I, I just literally just thought of the question myself. Um, I, I would like more blue green cards that are real. Yeah, yeah. I, I would love a blue green hybrid card. That's that's very so many good. blue hybrids uh, suck. Blue. Like that's my unfortunate thing. So many blue blue hybrids are terrible. Right. Like, well, it's frostburn weird, but it's okay. And yeah. So you know that's uh, there's a uh, there's a link for you there on the uh, orchestrion. Nice. If you want to check that out, you can put that in the show notes too. Um, so yeah, that's for me. That's something I would like. I would like to see uh, uh, blue green um, get a little bit more help. I think um, I want some three power, like maybe like this whole improved aggressive creature thing. I feel like maybe I want that to branch out more into green and maybe black. Like it feels like there's some decent tools for green aggressive decks, but it feels like. It's kind of lacking in the two drop slot, and I'm like, I would hope it's probably not going to happen, but I would really want there to be something like a, you know, some some more reasons at the two drop slot to go into that archetype. Uh, maybe like black as well. Like, I don't. Again, I'm not really on the sacrifice like on the pox thing, but you know, maybe there. I don't like that sub theme, but I think as a major theme, it's. I'm not a super huge yeah. fan of it. I don't mind it as a sub theme though. Yeah, maybe like more good, maybe like more good cheap sack outlets, like a, a sack outlet on the level of like carrion feeder or something. That would be nice. Carrion feeder is pretty sweet. Or gargadon. There we go. On the level of gargadon, actually, that's probably better. Let me think. What else? Uh, what else do I want? More good blue. Uh, 
like maybe something there there's an example of a card I really hope gets print like I always think it's going to be printed and it never will be three blue blue steel target non creature permanent hmm. like I feel like that could be printable like that would be kind of interesting sure I could see that yeah. I mean, confiscate is just any permanent for six. Right, mana. but at least it get, it's the you know the one mana difference, which certainly can be a difference kind of thing. Maybe like one triple blue or something. Yeah, no, I don't know about that. <laughs> I can hope. <laughs> but what else? What else would I want for cube? Um, I would love for more. Oh, I'm sorry. There, there to be more, uh, much like the cube vault did, but I would love to see wizards actually uh, maybe design a product specifically for cube, even if it's just like uh, boxes. Yeah. Like, here's a cube, here's a cube box that can hold this many, plus this many, you know, this many sleeved cards. Here's a box that can hold this many sleeved cards. You know, they used to have the old uh, licensed, bo- you know, they used to do their own boxes or whatever that were officially licensed stuff. Um I'd like to see some, maybe something like that, along the lines what they did with like the uh, holiday box. Yeah, maybe something uh, like a step up from that, but maybe not so premium as like the cube vault that those guys did a really good yeah, job. Yeah, I was gonna with, say shoutouts to which is uh, just like a little bit prohibitive uh, as far as the cost goes for a lot of people. Yeah, but yeah, shout out to Kenny and those guys for uh, for for designing X. It's yeah, Kenny, be- uh, Jason, Jason Murray. Mm-hmm. So that's a uh, that's certainly we should have. I'm glad we got a chance to come around to mention that because that's certainly uh, something that was important that happened yeah. this year. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Um, other wishes for the new year? I like I, I said, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is like better multicolor blue cards because I I still feel like the, we're missing a very good blue red hybrid. I feel like we're missing a good blue green hybrid. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things I'm thinking of is maybe, like, yeah, and a lot of the hybrids, a lot of the blue hybrids just aren't very, blue-green is just, like, ugh, got cold, cold-eyed selkie and... Big form. Yeah, that's about it. I was really not not really excited about either of those, really. I mean, blue-red, you have weird and knuckle Yeah. What's there in blue-black? Uh, like, Sig? Una? Blue-black, you have Una. Uh, yeah. Which is also not, not great. Um, blue white's fine because you have both uh, plume veil and uh, Azorius guild mage. How often do you find the blue ability mattered, or how often do you use the blue mana or the blue ability on on the guild mage? The the blue ability matters more that it exists, not that you use it. The threat. Yes, because people are just like, well, I can't do this because they're just going to like, do that. I can't crack my fetch. Right, or I mean, maybe not that, but like, oh, like, instead of playing this Planeswalker, I'm going to just, like, play these creatures instead, because I'm going to just, or, you know, I, their, their game plan changes because of you just having, you know, having this ability to just cancel out what they're doing. So, like, originally, they're, like, they might have been like, oh, well, I can just do this, play this card, equip it, or play this card, activate this Planeswalker, and make, you know, blockers. But then you have that card in play, and it's like, well, crap. They're just going to do this. Mm-hmm. 
So it, it, it causes. So I find that the, the, the threat and the, the ability to use the blue ability often matters more than actually using hmm. it. But, you know, I mean, but it, it certainly gets some use. I mean, not as much as the white ability. The white ability is certainly yeah. better. Uh, but the uh, the blue ability is certainly a non-zero thing. Um, I mean, just you know, sometimes forcing people to pay equipment costs twice yeah. is, is enough to, to disrupt things. I so. feel like also in kind of that vein, I want another, like, good equipment. It seems like there's, like, a lot of the equipment kind of falls short of being good in cube. There's, like... I was actually going to say another good equipment. I'm glad you mentioned Because there's, like, that. you know, batter... You haven't seen one in a while. Yeah. Like, the last one was batter skull, and that's more as just a creature than an actual equipment. Right. Well, the the, the swords. Yeah. Board, you know. I mean, yeah, the last one is probably sword, and sword of war and peace and batter skull, and that's really it. And to be fair, they probably got it. I mean, batter skull is, uh, is pushed. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That, that card definitely is. Even as just, like... A four mana four four or like a five mana four four lifelink vigilance, which you know you can just attack and then return to play, is still really good. Right, right. Even if it didn't have the equip cost on there, the card is still fine. Yeah. Like, but the fact that you guys are just like move it around too, or go get it with Stoneforge Mystic, or you know, whatever else. Pretty spiffy, if you ask. Me. Yeah, and it feels like there was a lot of equipment that there was. Like the uh, locks on Warhammer or like Sword of Vengeance, like right. those were cards I think people really wanted to like, and they just were kind of just way too clunky. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I like Whammer, but like, yeah, Venge- Sword of Vengeance just never turned out to be good yeah. enough. I mean, it, it'd be nice to have something kind of somewhere between, and I guess Machete falls into is close. Yeah. That? It just feels like there's not much good cheap artifacts or equipment, and the ones that were were mistakes. Like those Bone Splitter, and they really didn't know what they were, you know, what how to you know balance that. And then like Skull Clamp, uh, which is of course a huge mistake, and Gite, which is of course a huge mistake. And then right. after that, so like to find that middle ground, that that fair middle ground. And like I said, I, I'm I'm wagering that Trusty Machete is about as close to that fair middle ground as you're going to find. Problem is, is because the other stuff already exists, Trusty Machete is not good enough. Yeah, or like maybe like Shuko or like Silvok Lifestaff. Like in terms of cheap equipment, they just don't really they don't impact the board enough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To make it worthwhile. And it's just like, I really, if I think that may be actually my biggest hope is another good, cheap equipment. I don't know if that's going to happen um, since, like I said, the last half one was in whatever that set was, New Phyrexia. And that was, when did New Phyrexia come out? Was that 2011? Yes. Huh. Let me think. Wow. Yeah. You know, I don't think... Bo- yeah, that's, uh, that's right. Beginning, beginning part of 2011, beginning the mid, middle wow. part. Because the end of 2011 would have been Innistrad, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. All? Yeah, that's... Wow. So, and, like, I don't know if Born of the Gods or whatever the next set is called. Journey to Nyx is going to have a lot of really good equipment. Um, there wasn't really many in Theros, was there? No, I, I, I would like to see, uh, 
I would like to see some more uh, multicolor planeswalker. Yeah. Planeswalkers in combinations that don't already exist. Yeah, like Xenagos is sweet, but like, come on, red green fours. Right, like, you know, we only have, right, exactly, like, we have a bunch of red green planeswalkers already, um, but like, we don't have a blue green planeswalker. Yeah. We don't have, you know, we, we have, you know, uh, some co- you know colors and combinations we have multiples and some we just have. I'm not. wondering if Quira Otoa is going to be printed in this set in in Born of the Gods. Is that the uh, Merfolk? Yeah, and then, like there's Tritons on the Plane of Theros, and I remember they were like we were going to print it in Return. Was obviously Merfolk. You got Master. Yeah, Rays. that's true. Yeah, I think there was like I think the last check there was like five Merfolk in Theros, but I remember like. I forget who they asked. It was some creative guy or something, or maybe Morrow, uh, said we were gonna, we were thinking of putting Quira in Return to Ravnica block, but she didn't really fit what Simic was doing. Like a lot of Simic in Return to Ravnica was like bioengineering and things like that, and like improvements of things, and like Quira was just about summoning like big leviathans, which didn't really seem to match what, um, didn't really seem to match like that ethos. So I'm wondering if it may just like big dumb Leviathans or big dumb things seems to fit Theros pretty well, at least in terms of the whole monstrosity trope. So I'm hoping that means that Choir is going to be a blue-green hopefully decent Planeswalker. And we did get Chandra Pyromaster, so we did get another good red Planeswalker in this block. So that's that's a, you know, one thing to check off for this year. Yeah, certainly that guy, uh, that girl, I guess I should say, is is certainly okay. Sorry, I have a kitten crawling all over my shoulders and face. <laughs> oh. She is currently purring right in my oh. face. <laughs> it is past her, past her meal oh, time. She, she likes like meal food. time, so they're all starting to, the natives are getting <laughs> restless. Do the cats, like, recognize the word for food? Uh, yes. <laughs> yep. Well, we, they, they recognize the H word. That ends. That sounds like a country in Europe. <laughs> so, only allowed to say that word when it's a time to for them. To oh, eat, or else they uh, they get a bit. Nuts. For our cats, it's so. food, or like you know, saying it like that, like a certain way, like they know, and then they start like meowing or trilling or whatever. It's like, uh oh, look at we started. It's like, right. okay, we'll give you some food. <laughs> No, ours is ours is uh, referred to as the H word, yep. <laughs> which is we have to be careful. Like when we're out somewhere, like we'll be out, you know, like running errands for a day, or like go see a movie and something else, and then, you know, we're out driving around, and one of us will just ask the other one, "Hey, are you H word?" <laughs> we're like, ah, "We're not home. We don't need to say that. We can actually just say the word." God, we're such dorks. <laughs> I like it. So, all right. Well, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. It's a good uh, good episode for the uh, my screen name namesake and the uh, answer to life universe and everything. That's very and true. Hopefully, you guys have uh, have enjoyed this year with us, and uh, we're looking forward to to bigger and better things for next yeah. year. And you know, um, you know, you can reach us at um, you know, there's a thread on salvation. If you want to give us ideas. Those are certainly, certainly well be welcomed, and you know, just like if you want to reach us, um, I'm Usman the Rad on Twitter, um, and I write 
bi-weekly articles on StarCityGames.com. I think I have some cube video footage coming up. Um, there was actually kind of an interesting draft where I was had like a bug control deck, and I was probably like, I can't win this matchup, so I just need to go into like blue-green ramp and splash Ralzeric. And that was uh, a pretty interesting draft. Um, but it'll be it'll be up on the interwebs eventually. Um, but yeah. Fun. Um, and we have the thread on salvation. If you have any ideas for us to talk about, it's like, hey, you should talk about. Uh, I don't know, theremins. <laughs> I'd be down to talk right, about right. theremins. But yeah, I think that's about it. Like, um, and you can find me at Anthony Forty Two on. Uh, on uh, Twitter, and you know, hopefully, uh, get this writing thing started up again with the new year as the uh, the holiday season winds down, and I'll be uh, performing less moving forward. Hopefully, have more time to sit and write a little bit, and uh, I think uh, we'll be getting a new computer here pretty soon. So we'll we will actually have two computers around the house, which will enable me to, you know for both of us to do work on a computer at the same time, nice. which will certainly help the writing, which will be over at legitmtg.com. And, uh, yeah, we're always, we're always game for ideas or things you'd like us to talk about, or, you know, we're, you know, we're, we also like talking about cube too. So even if uh, you just want to chat, um, I have some ideas. I've been talking to some people about possible guests for the new year, the people who can come on with us too. So, uh, well, I won't spoil any of that for now, but uh, I have, I think, two mostly confirmed just in the, hey, just let me know stage. Nice. So, so that should be fun. I like it. Well, cool. Well, it sounds like uh, there's only one thing left to That's do. That's true. Rock over London. Rock on Chicago. The war with the spirit world continues. Meet the champions of Kamigawa. See you guys next time. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Merry Year. Christmas. Yep. Happy holidays. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy all that good stuff. Happy Thanksgiving to if you celebrate. There you go. So. All right. All right. See you. See you.